Um, that was not what I expected to see. Hey, Internet. <laughs> Good morning, universe. It's Saturday this morning. It's pretty chill, or it should be. This is the Mad Christian Saturday morning chill. Today we got questions for you on pastoring in a pandemic, the Lord's Supper in the Matrix, Dr. Luther's response in times of plague, along with your best comments and questions from last week. Actually, for real this time, uh, your highlights and super chats from the sidebar, as always, and of course, a little bit of Christian mad LARP wizardry thrown in for good measure. Do not forget that the law of super chat means that I'm going to try to highlight what you said no matter what but sometimes I'm human and fail. And so that's just a reality. We all forgive and, and move on. But thank you for the super chats. When you throw them out there, they are very helpful to me. Uh, by the way, my new book, Without Flesh, is still new and is still out there. And many of the questions today will connect to the topic of that book. I, I guess that wasn't really on purpose, but it was. It's about an issue that is an issue of our times, which is what do we believe about the Lord's Supper? And are we going to let our disbelief in it, which we be, which began as Protestantism 500 years ago, continue to destroy Protestantism? Or can we believe once again in the true heartbeat of the church? Uh, in this then, right now, some of the questions today are going to be about just that. How does the church survive without the Lord's Supper? Or, or, or even can it? I'm going to try not to reference my book as the antidote and answer to the question every single time. I'm just going to talk about it right now, right here. It is out. You can find it on Amazon.com. I have not looked recently to see if there's any new reviews, but my other books, Echo and Broken, have done okay. So you might pick up one of those as well. Meanwhile, if you really do love the show and the show's and the bonus content and the books and yada yada yeah patreon is the way that you can help me stay on top of it all get onto that subscription wire there at patreon um and then you don't have to worry about the super chats although how do you compete with the super chats that's what i haven't figured out patreon subscribers believe you me i'm thinking about you and how i can make you benefit um and it's it's not there yet but that's because the answers that i've had in my head aren't good enough yet so just just hang tight on that one and we'll get there our Lord willing, and eschaton not happening someday. Yes, if, if the eschaton happens, I can't pay you back, possibly, at all. <laughs> but Jesus will. So, you know, it'll be it'll be all good at that point. Coffee time. Oh, and I'm still wrestling with the question, podcast listeners. Those of you who can't see what's going on here, like, how do I let you know everything? So just that moment, like, I've got to take a sip of coffee. i got to take a sip of coffee. I can't edit this out later. What do I do? Yeah. I'm going to try my best to be as unscattered as possible for you and let you know play by play. Um, but that's that's a skill. And I got to develop that skill uh, a little bit more. All right. So um, finally, I would be remiss if I did not mention Mad Mondays. Uh, I'd be practically committing a crime against you, not to mention what is quickly become, in my opinion, the most necessary newsletter on the planet. And it's not just because I write the headliner. That's that's like like the... <clears throat> Uh, the um, the crunchy creamy part right on top is whatever I get to write at the headliner. Uh, but what do you have in, in what this uh, this team? We haven't gone public with our name yet. Um, uh, this team uh, in Mad Mondays, I guess. What you have in Mad Mondays uh, is uh, a catch-all place for things you as a Christian, and particularly a Lutheran, but Christian uh, will benefit from looking at and thinking about this year with as as close to a non-sardonic, non-cynical Christian analysis uh, as possible without really pushing you too hard in one direction or other, but but acknowledging the spiritual implications of all these things. Um, this thing is a, is a piece of piece of art at this point. And um, uh, yeah, so thank you to the team and we are all the team members that are working on various things in slow bits of uh, 
process, right? I have a note I just put over there that says thief in the night one and two are ready. <laughs> and I'm like, oh goodness, when am I going to do this? Um, so we're, you know, we're working on things like getting the typos out of the old eBooks, uh, bringing uh, some new eBooks to bear. Uh, thank you to the team that's making that happen. And I'm the stopgap in all of this, but these things are in, in place. Mad Mondays is the place you're going to hear about it. You're going to see it. You're going to get the best of it. Uh, so uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that. And for that reason, we do have a little bit of Mad Monday feedback I want to share with you here. Let's see if I can try to do the magical video transition without too much saying too many nonsensical things that ruin podcast listening. We've just transitioned. I think, but unfortunately I'm going to have to cough and I still don't have a mute button. So hold tight everybody and forgive. Be right back. <clears throat> More of a throat clearing than a cough. I think the water will help with this. It is indeed Saturday morning. Ah, good morning, Pastor Fisk. Putting fear in quarantine. Such a great read. That would be last week's mad Monday's newsletter. Uh, saddened to read about the health challenges my family's, your Fisk's family is facing. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, none of it's like desperate, right? Um, but all of it's just enough to be one more piece of the fear and uh, the, the panic that you can't help but feel from everybody else that makes you question your faith, your belief, your certainty uh, that you can't die in Jesus, and yet and your children can't die in Jesus, and yet you sit there and you get you get pretty nervous. And even as you're trying to fight it, the more people in risk, the harder those emotions come in a lot of ways. Uh, so, so yeah, but no sweat, right? I mean, I'm the reason I shared that was more to say I think we all have this <laughs> in some way. We're all connected to that pain. Uh, so thank you, and, and and the Lord be with you and yours. Through all of this, this is this is par for the course, and even way better than that. In the ancient of days. Um, a, a thing like this would have, I think, done us much worse because they didn't have hand washing and things like that. So in any case, continuing, found the article on communion during the virus reassuring. Uh, so uh, yeah, thank you for the feedback there again on Mad Mondays. The article's there. And oh, one problem Evernote I have not fixed with you is how to make that happen and make it happen easily. Dear Pastor Fisk, another Mad Mondays feedback. Eek me Illuminati. Uh, it feels like fame, but I'm seeing this as a reestablishment, a relaunching of my character. Um, so I think this is in connection to the section in Mad Mondays where we publish your best writing from the week. And it, generally, we, we call you Illuminati if you make it to that glorious level. I mean, it sure beats Table Talk Radio Points is all I got to say about that. But it looks like we've got a question on uh, Christian LARP wizardry here just a little bit. Um, a relaunching of my character, what would that be in gaming terms? Kind of like confirmation. I wish I could find my certificate from my verse. Maybe God will give me a new one. Well, I, so here's what I do for confirmation kids uh, right now is I, I give them a list of Bible verses that are pretty good ones. And I say, you can pick any verse off this list as your confirmation verse, uh, no matter what. And I have no say in it after this. Here's the, here's the list. And then I also say, however, you can use any Bible verse in the entire book, in the entire Bible, but you're going to have to convince me of it. So you got to tell me it first and convince me. So there's your risk factor, right? Um, in this then, though, the point of the confirmation verse and the reason I do it this way is because it's supposed to just be a verse that means a great deal to the hearer. And it can be that because it's given to you from on high. But I think there's also something if you think about that verse that has always given you the most comfort in the world. The most comfort. What kills me about some old school confirmation verses, they're not a whit of comfort in them. 
<laughs> uh, they're all law. And the poor kids who just by jack of the trade got that one dealt to them. I feel bad for them. But all, all the same, uh, pick a verse. Pick a verse you love and just say, this is my verse, right? Uh, this is my verse. Uh, you know you have one you think on often or you can't. And whenever someone says it, you say it out loud. And don't feel bad if that's John 3.16 because that's a pretty good one, frankly. Overuse does not negate the use. Yeah, not at all. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, um, uh, so you're having a conversation with God about uh, the armor, et cetera. You know what it means to like be couched in the armor of light, as Ephesians 6 talks about. So much what you say is wonderful, helpful. My battle cry, Jesus Christ is risen. My courage uh, in him, I am not fearful. Learning my spells, that is your Bible verses, right? Uh, thanks for your role in this game, which isn't a game, is the most real thing in my life. Amen, Lynn. So yeah, I mean, don't get too carried away, right? Um, it's other people who don't understand this might be like, what are you doing? But just, it's a, it's a little game to help you remember that each verse in the Bible is a potent reality filled with power. Uh, and to know it and to speak it and to share it and to imbibe it is to be part of the earth-shattering, uh, curtain-tearing resurrection of the universe. Uh, so so it's it's pretty cool to realize that uh, if, if that were what wizardry was and the only way to learn it were to study the great wizard book, the Bible, I think the kids liking uh, Harry Potter Wizard School might uh, have a... Well, a different way of looking at uh, those old and ancient words. Uh, so, so those are my thoughts there. Thanks for your, your feedback again, though. Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna skip that PS here for the sake of the super chats this morning. Drawing those, I cannot do that. Here we go. Let's go this way. For the internet listening only, I am changing scene a little bit here again and acknowledging Auntie. Thank you, ten bucks. Uh, when it is safe again, have post have a post apocalyptic margarita on me. Be blessed, Auntie. I'm gonna take a sip of coffee here. Mm. Thank you. I can actually do that now. I don't know you, if you, you probably don't follow me on on Instagram. Not many people do. I don't do a lot there. But every once in a while, something shows up, and and I threw it out there. Uh, the, the I think the last thing I bought before we sheltered in place officially uh, was a twelve pack of Pacifico and a uh, a bottle of uh, lemon juice <laughs> uh, and a um. Uh, a nice bottle of tequila, Agora tequila. Uh, and uh, I took a picture of that, you know, shelter in place, here it is. So I can make the margarita now. Uh, that was the idea. I've had one or two. I, you know, I, I used to really just imbibe a little more than I do these days, but uh, um, one or two, they've been very tasty. It's always the sugars that get me. And even with, uh, with tequila being kind of a low sugar alcohol, when you're trying to be carnivore and keto, uh, every gram counts and, and you get 12 to 15 a day grams of carbs and so um gotta be real careful with that but i have had my two margaritas thank you for the super chat um and i will have another probably before the end of may <laughs> uh, before the end of april right hopefully it's, it isn't extended to may but i have a funky feeling about that and cafe solo with 20 bucks coming in question once a congregation opens the door to streaming at home communion with members possibly making their own unleavened bread <laughs> Especially if the pandemic is prolonged, can that door be easily and quickly closed? No, that's just my answer right there. No, it can't. How? It can't. It, it won't be. You're gonna it, for somebody. It won't be, <clears throat> and it doesn't matter how many it is. It's for some. It won't be. Uh, there is no hundred percent gain and loss in the church or or, or consistency in the church. Uh, when you move a facility, when you change a worship time, you're gonna have attendance numbers change. And if you believe heartily that that means you're losing Christians. Uh, then you will never, ever change anything of, of substance, and you'll actually fade in that way instead. So there's a real problem there. The question here is, with this change that's being instituted, with the institution of assembling itself at the very center, disassembling, can you put those pieces of Humpty Dumpty back together again for Grandma Schmidt, 
who loves you and loves Jesus, but really likes baking her own bread on Sunday mornings. And I, I, this is not long-term, I think, going to be good for any of us. Uh, so, and, and that's evident by, it's against our dogma to begin with. It's against our dog. We shouldn't even be thinking about it. It shouldn't be a question. All of our questions should be, how, sh- how can we get this bread and wine into their actual mouths with a pastor present? That should be everything that we're trying to do with all the resources we have. And everything else is secondary to that. And um, uh, that's my gambit. That's my that's my bet. Okay, so, so I believe that's dogma. I believe that's what the Bible says. I believe that there is no alternative to this. I just wrote a book about it. So please don't ask me to say the opposite somehow, you know, or to say I think the opposite is a good idea. I, I don't think you're not Christians. I don't think that you've lost Christianity. I think you're going to have people torn from you. I think trying to reassemble the flock afterwards is going to be a great travail and struggle with much pain and hardship. Um, and, and I would not wish that on anybody. That's, that's my point in this whole thing. It's not like, oh, you, I, you're bad and from hell. I mean, I, whatever with that. Uh, we're in this war together one way or the other, I think. I mean, the devil's the bad guy, right? Not, not, not our brothers in the faith. Um, and so when you see a brother in the faith who's about to go into battle like with his pants around his ankles because he hasn't finished you know, putting his fly up, you're like, brother, uh, this is not going. And he's like, I'm going anyway. Okay, man. You know, it's, it's, it's your platoon. Uh, uh, so, uh, but uh, can, yeah, and, and it's exactly your question. Um, with everything else, even if it is okay and you can justify it, which I don't think you can, um, can you put Humpty Dumpty back together again? Uh, it's going to be a real trick and challenge. Um, I think everyone's going to face this, even those, I mean, we we're, we're, we're at here. I mean, we're not getting full attendance. Um, and, and, and so, you know, those who've stayed away, there's some who've reached out to me and they said, don't worry, we're safe. We'll be back. Others haven't. I'm not really worried specifically about any of them. I just also kind of know how it is, uh, and uh, how the how the how the winds of time move us, how the cares and trials of this life, which are the weeds, and the struggles with our, which are the rocks, and the lies, which are the bird, the devil taking it all away, how they play on us when we're not together in the realm of solid word of God and Christian teaching. And there is not a single one of us that's strong enough to say, "I'll be fine on my own. I'll be back. Don't worry." And, and and in that, then someone's out there saying that. <laughs> someone's out there saying that, and I don't know who, and I don't know where. I can only pray for all and try to give you the the, the gleaming light of the liturgical gospel, which is built into Scripture, which is Christ for you right now in this place, flesh and blood, body and bone, risen, resurrected, empowering all these things, right? And and I just when you're you're not quite doing that with this, you're playing a sacramentarian's gambit. And that has been the destruction of the church everywhere it's ever entered. A long game destruction. This is a long game. This is not a generation's error. This is a centuries-long error at the root of language. It's an attack on the Word of God in His person. And uh, it's so even small pieces of it. This isn't like uh, the, the the guys lo- you know in my church body that are just doing this. They're not directly attacking Jesus' body and the and the, the doctrine of His person uh, with any intention, right? but they're part of a grander, centuries-long, false glory, false, not the Bible, not Jesus movement, subtly pulling all of us further away from the true glory of Christ's body and blood and faith and trust and justification in that. And when you let even just a little bit of leaven, no pun intended, with the baking of the unleavened bread at home— a little bit of leaven in the lump means the whole thing eventually is going to go. 
I mean, if you think that you're going to see that in the moment, no, it takes a while for that lump to rise. Again, that's the generations-long game, and sacramentarianism is a generations-long world-rifting, you know, Christianity-rifting, heterodiheresy-leaning uh, reality, right? Um, Nestorian reality, and and this is just a piece of that. So. Are you easily going to tamper to tamper with anything that's false and put it back together? No, you're not. And then you got the sociology on top of it. So again, I got I got no hate for no one on this one, right? Uh, this is not about this ain't personal. I want you to do as good as you can where you are. And if you think this is the way that God wants it done, well, then you're convicted. Uh, but my words are here to consider uh, your conviction and ask you to consider mine, right? Uh, and to see that we are in diametric opposition to each other when it comes to what the scriptures teach uh, to, where for me i believe this is to the level of fellowship splitting like we do not have the same lord's supper we do not believe we have the same lord's supper and therefore we do not have the supper together nor therefore can we take it together right uh, even if it was overseen by me so i would believe it was there this is uh like the the very substance of trust when you're in the trenches of the warfare as front-leading pilot and soldiers, pastors, uh, caring for the flock, right? That, that trust for each other. And that's not there uh, when this happens. And, and so we have to have a conversation about that, don't we? I mean, uh, how are we going to go into the fight together when we're watching each other eye to eye on the side? Oh, what was this? I was just listening to. Oh, such a good thing. But hist hardcore history. Um, uh, hold on. I'm going to come back to the uh, primary picture for just a second. Hardcore history. Did, we talked about this last night a little bit. Um, split off and started like a new uh, a new feed uh, that is called Addendum. And the goal, I don't think they're even going to complete this goal, but their goal is to have more regular shows that are only an hour long instead of four hours long. And uh, one of the first ones, or the first one, is called Glimpses of Olympias. And I cannot recommend it highly enough. It is such a phenomenal story. It's the story of the mother of Alexander the Great. Uh, who is better than, she's a better character than he is by far. And that's, that's uh, Carlin's contention. And he definitely does it credit. Uh, you know, there's some places where in his film that he directs, I might've made a different producing decision, those kinds of things, but by and large, you know, he, he really does it well. Um, and uh, uh, you definitely want to think about, about checking that out. All right. There was a reason I was talking about that. Uh, that had to do with orthodoxy and trust and listening. Oh, for pity's sakes. I knew I was going to, I knew at some point I would tangent into something really awesome like story and not come back and podcast listener this is where you know, this is where i would edit right i would go back and i would pull that out uh, but but in either case i'm gonna i'm gonna recommend dan carlin's hardcore history to you i'm gonna say i totally forgot what it was that i was going to be talking about but i may get it back as we go into what really matters here thank you chris for the super chat as we go into really what really matters here uh with my apology for failing you so hard uh when it comes to <laughs> uh when it comes to your Comments from the sidebar on Saturday Morning Chill last week and the week before. If you watch both, you know that there was a miscommunication in Evernote note sharing between myself and Frisbee the Hand, who is the hand of the shadow broker, the hand of madness. Uh, she, she takes care of a lot of behind-the-scenes editing detail work, digital work, uh, what effectively paperwork, uh, which is tremendously helpful to me. 
Uh, so uh, in any case, there was a mix-up in, in the way we understood Evernote was working. So I ended up using the same comments last week. Uh, and, and, you know, right away, I'm like, this sounds familiar. But I was like, I don't know how this ha would happen. So uh, that's the failure. The good news is if you look on the side here, is it here? It's here now. If you look on the side here, uh, you can see that we have a couple lined up. And I'm going to be doing everything I can to get to them right immediately after another comment about listening to Saturday Morning Chill. And what it did, it confirmed your suspicions. I've not read this comment yet, so I have no idea what's coming next. Listening to Saturday Morning Chill confirmed my sub suspicions. Listening to your YouTube channel confirmed my doubts uh, about evangelical theology and led me to search for answers to my questions. So um, that's fantastic. So you found SM Chill, it sounds like, uh, hanging out on Saturday mornings, and then you dug deeper into whatever else you found in the in the deep abyss of the past of Redfisk. J on YouTube, uh, and, uh, and and you realized that smell. Ooh, that smell. That's a good song, by the way. Out in evangelical land, um, uh, as heresy, <laughs> as sacramentarian heresy. I was trying to talk about before when I was getting into all the bit about Olympias. There was a good metaphor in there somewhere. I lost a great metaphor with that. Olympias, check out that story. Thank you for uh, watching the show, and I'm glad it has made you feel. Confirmed. Confirmed in the faith. That's what we aim to do here. Okay, getting straight into some of those highlights from 321. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on any of these because I do want to catch them up and I want to get your actual stuff from this week. By the way, I should scroll down and see if new stuff's coming in. It is. Josh Chambers says, uh, can you comment on studies that claim through archaeological studies Yahweh was one God among many that the Israelites worshipped and that monotheism was just a gradual development. This got me bothered. I read an article that claims that monotheism was a cultural development. Any words of wisdom on that? Uh, yes, it's, it's nonsense. I mean, I can poop in the toilet and put it in a pie and tell you it's fudge too, but that doesn't mean I should eat it or feel bothered by it. I should feel bothered by its smell. It doesn't mean I should ignore its smell and excuse the metaphor, but it's kind of what this amounts to when you go historically speaking. And give me just a sec to come back to it to finish your comment though here. It says, uh, you said, uh, it goes on to mention that traits of other gods got melted and created Yahweh as the sole god that they worship. Okay, so there's two, two can play this game of the ancient religions and it's really like not not that difficult at all. So here's here's their game. Their game is like, oh look, all the religions of the world sometimes have some things that are sometimes the same, and they all are just like the Christian idea of God. So somehow the idea that the Christian God is is in all the other gods of the world, in in, in interjection kind of ways, like spikes, like like very brief overlaps. Well, therefore the Christian God must be made up of all of these other gods. Now, there's two who can play this game. The real antidote is, well, therefore, all these other gods are fake, can I say it, bastardizations of the Christian God. Which came first, the chicken or the egg? Let's argue about it. That's what they're doing. They're arguing about chicken or egg. And you can, you can pick a side and argue if you want. That's great. Go play tic-tac-toe. Yay. Right? Um, what is it? Uh, the only way to win is not to play. Right? And if you got that Easter egg, God bless you. Um, <laughs> uh, so, so... It, it's not even an argument. Yeah, of course, if you look at ancient religions, there are things that reflect Christianity. Well, if Noah got off the boat with one religion and he taught it to three guys, something's going to survive everywhere. The question is, when does enough disappear that you're no longer with Yahweh? That's the question. And that question is perhaps different at different times insofar as the, uh, the signs of the institution go. Yeah, um, at this time, the sign of the institution would be bread and wine with us gathered around it. 
and, and that would be pretty significant reality, right? Um, uh, back back in the days of of say, you know, uh, what before the flood, you know, what did Noah have? He didn't have circumcision. You know, I don't know. Yeah, the covenant. They they had blood and animals. You know, I knew that. I know that much. Uh, so in any case, uh, in every one of these realities, the true religion is always there, never uh, leavened, ever. It always, 7,000 have not bowed the knee. It is, it is always there. The word and the spirit have never failed. But there are always splinter groups. There are always schisms, schisms rending asunder and by heresy distressing the church in every age. Huh? Um, and so they found some archaeology of an early schism, of an early heresy, where you know, the Lord Yahweh became the Lord Baal, and the same word got used for both of them. And so the Israelites worshipped both of them because they also had become heterodox and heretics. The Bible talks about this. I mean, it's not even surprising. So uh, good, good stuff, Josh. I don't mean to be harsh on you, but uh, yeah, don't, 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 don't waste time uh, uh, losing sleep over uh, the pudding poo. Uh, of of the historical critics. There's this nonsense. Most of historical criticism is nonsense. They don't apply. If you go read historical critics on any other ancient text, they don't play the same game. They do not play the same game at all. They're far more reverent to the text. And so you just at a certain point got to realize these guys are scam artists. They're not playing by by honest scholarship and they're just making sophistic arguments. Chicken it's a chicken and egg argument. And that's like this big argument, right? So you just you just got to dismiss anybody who's making historical critical arguments. Uh, deal instead with the textual critical studies; those are very important, right? And understanding redaction that's very important uh, because many of the authors are redactors, right? And Luke is a redactor; he pulls together from various sources. He says so himself. That doesn't undo the text; it amplifies the text. So you know you can you can study that; you can understand that; you can connect that to history. Um, but these these claims are just it's like it's like kindergarten for pity's sakes. I know they were really smart like a uh, sophisticated, civilized, forward-thinking, technological, materialistic uh, uh, brains of old who came up with all this stuff and they're bothered by real stuff. But if you, if, you, if you take the time and the patience to look at it and you have even a wit of belief that Jesus has risen from the dead and you start just applying that as your counter-question, well, what does this do to the resurrection? <laughs> you know, does this call into question its possibility? If you just do that, you, it's not even a problem. These issues aren't even problems. Uh, as I told you super quick. Ha! Layman Logic says, uh, uh, can the Apocrypha be considered Scripture since it's referenced as such in the Book of Concord? I think not only can the Apocrypha be considered Scripture, it must be considered Scripture, but you have to define Scripture differently than most people do when they just say me and my Bible as if the Bible is an entirely singular book. Because it's not, right? Sip of coffee time. The Bible is many books put together as one book, and we might even claim that its ordering is not divine. We could debate that. Its ordering is heritage and legacy and tradition, which has lasted for a good long time. That's value in itself. But what it is is a collection of books and or resources, letters, stories, visions, and they're not all the same. Uh, into a, a, a compilation, a, a concept album, as it were, right? Similarillion style, kind of. Uh, it's actually a really fair comparison. I never thought of that before. If you know, if you caught that Easter egg, run with that one because that's an interesting thought. Um, the uh, uh, and in this, then the the books within it are all scripture. They are inscribed writings from the prophets and the apostles, right? We think. Yeah, we believe. 
And even if you go within that, though, you find within the New Testament that the scriptures there have some distinctions that are very important. Gospels are different than letters to begin with, but you also have in the early church an acknowledgement of the, the clearly received, the spoken for, that we've all got these everywhere and we all know it. And you have the, oh, this is a new one and it's a bit late to the party, but it sure looks authentic. Uh, and then even a couple of, well, golly, there's some real doubts. That other group over there doesn't even think it belongs in the Bible. And we know they're Orthodox, and we're just putting this thing together for the first time. So let's put it on the very end. You know, you got you got those kinds of distinctions. And the two biggest ones you can put as categories are those that came in, uh, were recognized or received everywhere without any questions ever being raised in history about them, and those that had questions being raised in history. And again, Revelation is the great example of this because like half of the church didn't have it. So they're, they're getting together because this, this guy is publishing a false Bible with none of the Old Testament in it, and a bunch of clippings out of everything, removing the gospel and the, practically the miracles, um, only keeping stuff for his own weird Greek philosophical nonsense. Uh, and so he's doing that. The church responds, and they're saying, well, what do we really have? And you got this half of the conversation. They were still talking you know, universally at that point. Half of the conversation has never seen the book of Revelation before. Like, what's that? And, it, and they read it like that. Um, we're not sure that belongs. <laughs> you know, we don't know what to do with this thing. So it, from this, then you have those. You have books that have questions. You have books that don't. Okay, the Old Testament kind of had the same thing, and it always was just there and acknowledged and together, really until English Bibles came around. Well, and, and the reasoning, I'm, I'm, is, I think it's suspect the reasoning why this thing disappeared from just our standard printings. You can get it from our church body's publishing house, Concordia Publishing House. You can get a separate copy of it, but it's not printed in it, right? Not in the in the study Bible. Um, that tradition is recent and new. It's not particularly Lutheran to do that, um, and it makes what I'm talking about here a little bit difficult, right? But the but the thing is, then you really can view those intertestamental books kind of on the same level as let's just say um uh what's a good example here third john right um third john's true there's no questions about the veracity of third john but its place and use in this in the in the life of the church more esoteric right um and so you know the maccabees we recognize that they if and as scripture in greek are from the hands of the Jews who lived during the times, um, they certainly originated there. And there may indeed, this is where the thing is, so these might have errors in them. We would acknowledge the Apocrypha does have historical errors in, and therefore is not wholly inspired in errant homologumina, okay? Uh, always spoken for scripture, but it is right underneath it as a testimony of the faithful in the time they went through. So you could almost see it as like a book of Concord. Uh, you could see it as a, a Chemnitz, our, our great theologian Chemnitz calls it the antilegomena of the Old Testament that is the book spoken against. So again, you would have um, a comparison, say, to Jude. Jude is similar to uh, Bell and the Dragon or something like that. And, and frankly, um, that's, that's pretty fair, uh, I think, on Chemnitz's part. Um, if you want to bring me up on charges about it, you can. Uh, but um, it's, it's neither here nor there. I would advocate that Christians should know and have read through the Apocrypha once in their life. Um, it's the, the CPH resource is very good for looking at that um, uh, in, in the sense that uh, uh, it's got kind of helps, historical helps, because they are esoteric books. They're, they're weird. Bell and the Dragon is not what you think it is. Um, 
Although it is kind of a cool story. Uh, 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 yeah. Someone needs to like do a, like a Bell and the Dragon re-envisioning in, in like a Beowulf 13th Warrior thing. And that could be a pretty decent uh, sci-fi fiction book right on its own right. Put it in the 23rd century. Wow. That'd be something, wouldn't it? I'm not writing that one. You can have it. Uh, okay. So uh, moving on here. Uh, Elsa Miss Christian says, because of reading your book without flesh, I bought the books The Lonely Way by Herman Sauce. It is awesome. Thank you. Excellent. Mission accomplished right there. One person. I worked for a decade to to write a book. I didn't write it the whole time. Came and gone. It was on my conscience often, right? Wrote it once a decade ago. Rewrote it another time over the course of time. Rewrote it a third time uh, about a, two years ago now. And now it's out without flesh. And the whole point is there's an article in a series called The Lonely Way by a guy named Herman Sasse that I think everybody should read. <laughs> And, and I don't think you're ever going to go buy the books and read it. And, uh, and so I wrote this book to like kind of be the article uh, for you. Yeah. Um, but I say that in the front and you, LZ Miss Christian, went and, and that just tickles my heart. I got to tell you, because it's like, that's it. That's the real stuff. You want, you want the real stuff? Go read that article, right? Church and Lord's Supper by Herman Sasse in Lonely Way Volume 2. That's the real stuff. Uh, more expensive than my book because Lonely Way Volume 2 probably cost you 45 bucks because it's a hardback from CPH. And I know why that is, but it is what it is. Um, and so my book would be cheaper. But uh, yeah, sweet action right there. I wish we had published uh, – it would have made the book too thick and everything. It, it, they had the rights. I didn't even think about publishing the article in the back of the book. That would have been a good idea. It could do that. Oh, they could do that as a second edition. I should like tell them that one. I'm going to say that. Second edition. We'll see. It's all in their hands because they own it. Uh, second edition with Word Without uh, without Flesh uh, published article addendum. That would be awesome. And that would give you all a reason to buy a second one, which would make them happy as a publisher. You know, you know what I'm saying there. Uh, so, Jedi Knight, uh, Scrimgewalker says, I want to read some of the length in which I start. Um, that's a really good question. I, I've only read his Loki Communes, and it's boring and dry as the dust of the earth. And then Mark and Chemnitz says Loki Theologic is better. And then really, Peeper is what the that amounts to eventually. And so you you get your best with say a, a Peeper read and maybe Gerhard. Uh, so 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 that's not where I would go with Melanchthon. I don't know that I would read Melanchthon. I don't know that I would encourage reading Melanchthon. Uh, the Apology of the Augsburg Confession. How many times have you read that? Uh, get to know that one very very well. Um, and then I would, I would go, I think the letters between Luther and Melanchthon, I think, I think you have to do this. If you really want to know Melanchthon well and not be a sympathizer too easily, you need to start with any letters between him and Martin Luther, the correspondence that they would have back and forth and watch how often Luther keeps him in check. Um, watch where he gets weak, watch where Luther has to hold him up on everything, not just on a doctrinal argument, right? But that, that, uh, Philip is always afraid and always backing down. And then, then after that, the rest of his theological development, I think, will make sense to you um, as you read him. But otherwise, you're just going to find him turning heterodox and, and why, right? And I think, I think the key to that is is probably probably a personality quirk uh, that will be evidenced in his relationship with Luther. So that would be fascinating. And then you could write a book on it. That would be amazing. I'd love to read your, your ideas about that. Um, that would be really, really cool. Uh, Jacqueline says, uh, last summer you mentioned you were working on a liturgy of the hours. Are you still doing that? The book of hours is still sitting. Let's see here. In my giant wall of saying no, in my death of projects in the uncertain future, in my 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 little binder over there that says stupidity, stupidity is allowed and more problems on the outside of it, 
uh, that I put ideas in. I don't think Book of Hours has made it that far. I think it's over here in a small pile of post-its. Uh, each of one of them is a book title, uh, and the top one says Dust on it. And I'm not letting myself look at any of the other projects that are under that little sticky note, Dust, until I have a plan and an action for daily working on Dust. And that's kind of what my entire uh, current uh, rethinking of my schedule, uh, yeah, shelter in place style, is, is gearing toward, right? It's how to get writing back into my daily work so that I can publish uh, one book every one to two years because if I write daily, I can. And if I don't write daily, I won't. So uh, so anyway, so yes, Book of Hours is there. Um, what Book of Hours really needs, and I know there may be some of you who are already in the team who are like, well, I can do that. Um, but what Book of Hours really needs uh, is somebody who can spend maybe 15 to 20 minutes listening to me talk about what the idea looks like and then just doing a whole lot of hard manual editing labor but with the confidence that they got the idea and that i don't have to like uh, answer every single question but then when you bring it to me i'm going to say okay yeah but we got to do this about the layout this about the layout because i have a very clear idea for how i want this to feel and it's all measured around i want to use it right i want it to be something that i will never put down um, I want it to be something that I will completely own, uh, you know, fit in my pocket, you know, a back pocket, that kind of thing. Um, and so the layout's very important to this for its use. And I have a lot of you that have stepped up and we got our team thing going, but again, I can only manage one project at a time, right? So this, this one's just sitting until I can look at it uh, or I find the right system uh, for, for whatever the Mad Christian team is. And we are something of a movement more than a team now because there's stuff going on outside of my even purview, which is great. Um, uh, uh, whatever that is, though, I, uh, and, until that structure makes enough sense that I have ways to move those projects forward uh, quickly and, and, and efficiently, um, uh, it's just going to sit there for a little bit. And, and that makes me really sad because of all the things I want to make, nothing do I want for myself more than that book. Um, I, I really want it badly and I think it'll be a marvelous resource as I've kind of pondered, you know, what do I want out of my devotion every single day and how could I get it easily? Not, not, not easy to like, like as in gluttonously, right? But just actively in a, in a busy and hectic world, um, have a fast, slow, that's intentional and good and repetitive, liturgical, um, mindfully prayerful, all these things. Um, but that's why it's such a specific vision. That's why it takes a certain amount of time and focus, and I just don't have that right now. Um, so if, if you're out there and you're one of those who want to help with it, I mean, that structure of, of Mad Christian movement uh, production exists, and we're just figuring it out as we go. Um, and, and a lot of it is based on your zeal. So the people who are doing the most right now in the team are just those who wanted to. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I, I check on you a little bit, and, and, and there's definitely going to be some... Um, uh, learning of what we might call movement or insider, or I don't know what, to, it's not even that, uh, you know, the culture, I, we all want to be uh, of goodwill on this and not like freak out and judge each other and have it be about us. Um, and, and otherwise that breaks things. Right. Uh, uh, so anyhow, if you're interested in helping with that, because I really, this liturgy of the hours, I think it's a tremendously valuable thing. I, I want one so badly. And I, there's other stuff out there I know, but none of it has satisfied my American life. And, uh, uh, not that that's the end all be all, uh, let's see here. Uh, Tracy says, did you ever read more about the first Rosa, Dr. Rosa Young, a pioneer Lutheran educator? I've not read more about her. No, she'd be a great topic for something like a, uh, a bonus podcast history. And I know there's a book about it. I did her hear her story and learn her story many years ago, 
Um, I've been on the campus of Concordia College, then university, now no longer there, Selma, Alabama, uh, twice in my lifetime, uh, once to visit a friend who uh, had his first job as a professor there. And he had gone to seminary with me, but wasn't going to be a seminary professor. Um, his first job was there. So I visited him then, but I'd been there before because the, uh, the Concordia seminaries, uh, Fort Wayne and St. Louis, whether you know it or not, have a long and, and inglorious history of basketball. Uh, like real, I, I hesitate to say competitive basketball. I, I, I wanted to be competitive. I'm competitive. There's some good players, but when it comes to like uh, wins versus losses in the column, uh, it's, it's not much of a thing, right? Uh, I remember when we, St. Louis uh, has the history of being the better team. I think Fort Wayne finally just upset them for the first time in like 37 years or something like that. Uh, and, uh, and I remember vividly those games. Uh, we almost had that upset happen my first year, but it did not. And uh, if you were there, you know that yours truly had a little bit to do with it, um, which was great. Uh, uh, Jason Lane, I'm looking at you. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, 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 okay, so there's this history of not really competitive basketball. You know, St. Louis, in, in our days, you know, we could maybe give the uh, St. Louis School of Pharmacy a good run. Uh, we could certainly beat up on Brown University, which was a weird thing because they were more athletic than us, but anybody else we played just crushed us. And, and uh, so we took this trip. Uh, down down south, and we played against uh, a, a school called Kentucky. Somehow it was called Kentucky University, but it wasn't the D1 Kentucky. And I, so I don't know how that worked out brand-wise. I didn't ask the question at the time, but they, we were just playing Kentucky. That's all we were being told. They were a D2 school. Game was televised. <laughs> we lost by like 45 points. It was brutal. Absolutely. I mean, we were just – it was so embarrassing. Um, I did I did in that game on national television – Handling the ball, put a shake on their starting guard, which broke his ankle and he fell down. But I got so cocky, I went that I went, ooh, and I looked at him, and I wasted the moment and, and didn't get off a shot, unfortunately. But but um in that same trip, uh, we made a round and and hit Concordia Selma, Alabama. And we played them and they crushed us by 20 points. And their fans were saying, Why are we beating you? We suck. And we're like, um, we're seven old white guys. <laughs> Playing against college kids who are playing basketball. It doesn't matter. You know, you're faster. Uh, so in any case, I, I was there, though, and I got to experience the school. Uh, I got uh, to go to chapel. I got to walk through the halls. I got to look in on a classroom and talk to a teacher. Uh, you know, we're all prospective pastors, right? So they're, they're, they're showing us the tour, and they want us to think well of it. I, I learned about the football program there and, and saw some, some potentially very good things. I've heard since that maybe it's, there were some also really not so good things there. Long story and all of that, right? Um, but in that time, then, I definitely heard the story about uh, the first Rosa, Dr. Rosa J. Young, the pioneer Lutheran educator, because she was the one behind uh, the foundation of that school, the foundation of a lot of schools and a lot of education for uh, post-Reconstructionist, pre-civil um, uh, pre rights movement, pre-1960s African-Americans, and she was a Lutheran. And the Lutherans were highly, highly supportive and involved. Um, I, I have wondered why it never had a greater effect in the South as a culture, as, as a, you know, having a, Afri a, a vibrant African-American Lutheranism in America. We do not have a vibrant one. We have some. But if they, if they were to be honest about like on the spectrum of 
African-American demographics, what percentage does Lutheranism you know, share for the American population? I don't think we blip over a per, even a percentage point. We're probably not even close. It's like insignificant digit. And, and so why did that, you know, even though, and this is in spite of, in theory, uh, Lutheran mission, LCMS, missionary work, it, very intentionally targeting Southern blacks post-Reconstruction uh, to help and to found schools for them. And anyway, so, so that was like that thought through and not racist. I've, I've heard all the same that racism doesn't always play the same games. And, and, and maybe the, um, the money was there, but the heart and hands and the mind were not when it comes to Missouri's mission work. And that may also say something about whatever happened with our work among the Native Americans up in the uh, central Northwest Plains as well, because we were very active there. Um, and you know, there are people who know more about this and I'm sure, I'm sure in any case that this, this story, this book you can find from CPH on her, um, uh, would, would give more about her own, uh, work because tirelessly she worked, uh, and that school's existence was very much a result of her work. And no one, no one should say that the fact that it's closed now means it did not bring value in the time that it was here. Um, we should stop opening institutions and starting projects as if they're supposed to last until Jesus gets back and realize that they're supposed to last until we can't do them anymore. And we make sure we keep the church at the center because that's going to last until Jesus gets back. And we'll build institutions and let them fall with the world when we can and without fear of men because we fear God more. Caleb says this. He says, R.E. Uh, Levi. Now, this looks like some awesome brand of jeans. The R.E. colon space Levi Lestradius. That's a sweet jean set right there, right? Uh, lots of Lestadian Lutherans, a.k.a. Apostolic Lutherans, where I am from in Finnish, Swedish heritage, Upper Michigan. Very legalistic and pietistic. Many of my friends grew up in that. Yeah, you got to put quotes around it. Lutheran tradition. Hmm. Good to know the pietism it has and is around it has a lot to do with how you worship if you use a hymnal but don't know what's in it there's a good chance you're a pietist honestly speaking uh jana says this she says clicked on a we tv link a month or like a month ago and it had the clip giving up church for lent never thought we'd actually have to give up gathering together as church i don't remember that video i don't remember most of my 20s at this point now i guess i've really aged to that it just it's amazing like you remember more of like your 18 19 then like you're 24 like i can't place that one right away right i, I could go dig it up I, i'm sure but but so when it comes to like uh, the content of old we tv videos uh, they are in the aether of of youtube and google's monstrous power over us all uh, but i'm glad you found them and yeah you know i never thought we'd be in a situation like this today i, I continue to be just astonished i'm not going to condemn any decisions that have been made but it astonishes me how quickly how quickly um, uh, the church let a, a a right hand, excuse me, a left hand power tell us to stop meeting, and we all just said yes so fast. I I pray it's all innocent and pure and good and true. Um, uh, just because it's just like that's they had to kill people to get them to stop before. And um, love for neighbor, I get that argument. You know, obeying government, I get all the arguments. I'm I'm hey, I'm with you here. I'm sheltering in place. Um, but it just it just worries me, right? It just worries me. Uh, da, da, da. So Zephan said, uh, this is kind of random. What is your opinion on derivative works? For example, fan fiction or fan-made stuff. I think I talked about this one last week, so I'm going to kind of leave it there. But yeah, like it's cool if you're into it, right? Um, I guess that's what modding Fallout 4 is, right? So I like that. 
Um, uh, personally, would I read a, a story about Luke Skywalker written by somebody else? Yeah, once upon a time I would have. I wouldn't anymore. Um, let's see. What's what? What would I? Hmm, I don't know. I'm pretty picky. I don't. I don't. I don't do a lot of reading these days of fiction. I kind of fell off that one. I want to get back on it. So I said, I don't know. I don't know what that one would be. But yeah, sure. Why not? I love it. Like what I love is is when you take it and make it your own, right? Uh, you pull from what you see in somebody else's stuff. You're like, I do that better. And, and then you, you go and you do it, right? And, and you pull from somewhere else. So if your favorite thing is, uh, you know, I don't know. Um, I just said Star Wars, you know, Star Wars and Luke Skywalker with a sword. Like, how do you, how do you put that in some sort of uh, world where they're also like stuck on Tatooine forever, right? And the whole thing is a desert world. Oh, they did that. It's called Dune. But, but you could do something like that, right? Um, so yeah, that, that's how I feel about that. All right. So, so some questions that came in from the internet websites, erefdisk.com uh, slash contact. Always trying to pull these out for you. Uh, as we, as we hang out this morning, I'm going to check my time here just because I, I can, um, uh, welcome to Saturday morning chill, by the way, if you're just joining in mad Christianity and all that kind of stuff, uh, you can actually see at the moment, some of the, what's coming up on the left side, uh, and whatnot, as well as where you could zoom back and maybe find some of the stuff from before. Uh, hi pastor thinking of you wanted to share this post, <clears throat> excuse me. Doop, doop, doop. Uh, your pastor has, uh, okay, so oh, this is kind of nice. So this is like an encouraging post uh, about uh, being patient with each other, I think, right? So it's kind of a poem. Uh, your pastor has never pastored a church through a pandemic before. When they open, people are going to say they should have closed. When they close, people are going to say they should have opened. When they do not shake hands, people are going to say they need faith. When they shake hands, people are going to say they are foolish. They're going to make some difficult decisions to protect the flock, considering everything from your spiritual growth to legal liabilities that you aren't even thinking about. Every pastor believes that they uh, they are pastoring the most amazing group of people. I don't know if that's true. I have a pretty good one, uh, but I've been in places where I didn't. But that's okay, though. I remember this. No one wants things to go well at church as much as your pastor. That is the truth. Your pastor needs your prayers and support right now. And then uh, thanks for all you do. That's to me now, especially these crazy times. Stay safe. Give me a call if you'd like to pray together. Blessings to you and Meredith. Thank you very much for that as well. So, yeah, I would, I would, I would, this one, right? This, this belongs in every time. I think that most of my difficulty in a church, whenever I had difficulty in the church, with one exception, but at least three other congregations. The reason things did not go well and I didn't believe I pastored the most amazing group of people is because nobody trusted me ever. Like from the moment I walked in the door, they was like they were like looking askance, like what's it gonna change? Right. And I wasn't ready for that or prepared to um uh to battle that with a little more wisdom that like I might try to do now. Um, but the thing was, I could never get over the hurt because I was like don't you understand that nobody cares about your faith and survival more than than me? You probably don't even care. If you're if you're my like parishioner, you probably don't care about your faith like intentionally with long-term ramification, world-shaking, what's the government going to do? That kind of stuff, let alone what do you need this week, right? Uh, what do you need where do you need to grow more? Where do you need to be pushed? Where do you need to rest more? nobody's got a better eye on that than, than your pastor does. You can't see much of what you need. And the best pastors know that. And they show you what you can see and lead you toward seeing what you can need, right? 
nobody wants your church to survive as well as your pastor. So all that conversation earlier where I'm in disagreement with guys who are doing online communion and saying it's a bad idea and it's, it's heresy. I'm not saying they don't want things to go well at their church. I think they very much do. We just disagree, right? And that's okay. I think we should be, we really need to come back to a place where online we can disagree with each other and not be jerks. Needs to happen. I think it involves not email, not text messages, not comments. It mostly requires video and a longer form conversation like the one y'all are listening to right now. So but this is such good advice for all of you. Your, your pastor wants it to go well and no matter what decision he makes, and this is so key, it doesn't matter. He's going to get criticized. He is no matter what he does. So uh, remember that when you care for him. So thanks for that. I appreciate it. Uh, uh, consecrating, uh, consecrating the Supper. Oh, we missed an email there. That's my fault. We missed uh, uh, concentrating the supper over the phone. Uh, Wells question. My pastor Wells said that in the event of a shelter in place order that we could no longer gather in the event of groups of 10, we could celebrate the Lord's Supper in one of three ways. Uh, at home by ourselves because of the universal priesthood of believers. I'll just say right here, this is what I believe to be the fruit of the distinction, the difference. You want to know why we're different? Wells and LCMS. It is this on paper. Now, granted, I've already just talked about how the LCMS has guys doing this very kind of thing, okay? Um, but what you have here is a confession of the theological connection point that has led to a lot of this, uh, uh, which is denial, ultimately, of the office of the holy ministry on the basis of there being a so-called priesthood of all believers, which I don't think that there isn't one. I, I believe that all believers are priests to the Lord in faith. Um, but I do not believe that that countermands any office that God has created, man, woman, slave, master, or, or worker uh, worker and master, uh, child, father, uh, and in that way then uh, pastor, uh, shepherd, uh, preacher, whatever you want to call the goddess deans. Well, here, see, they kind of said, well, the goddess deans isn't really a thing. Exactly. Right. And so, um, so the ministry of goddess deans, the office of goddess deans isn't really a thing. So this is the difference. Okay. Now what I'm saying is in Wells, I think this is on paper and the LCMS is not on paper. We're practicing it. They confess it. Some of them don't practice it. Some of them believe what we believe. How we reconcile that, Wells, ELS, in the midst of the dark ages we're in, I don't know. I, I'd, I'd love to be on a team with guys who I don't have to look over my shoulder at and wonder when they're going to shoot me in the back. You know, I'm not talking about leaving the LCMS. I'm not talking about that at all. I'm not talking politics at all. I'm talking about understanding what we're up against culturally and, and biblically and not being afraid to confess beside each other, right? Which, granted, then, I mean, the only way to do that is to get the Wells and the LCMS to talk to each other about this issue, this one. Right here, not what we agree upon, but what we know we don't agree upon, or at least our paper documents say we don't agree upon. Until we handle that, uh, you know, where I can't go to you because I can't accept what I think is a system, a dogmatic system that brought to this. Because um, I think that's I think that's an authentic read on uh, the removal of the three questions from the small catechism, Article Five, chief parts which, yes, are not in 1580, but definitely were written in Luther's lifetime and uh, definitely reflect the rest of the Book of Concord. The removal of that uh, is a sticking point, is it not? Yes, and this, this is where it leads. I tell you, my friends and brothers, this is where it gets you. The line is clear. So uh, we could meet online, he said, uh, where we would consecrate the elements, which are 
any unleavened bread and wine we have available. I'm glad he didn't say grape juice. I'm glad you guys are using wine. That's good. Uh, he call he could call each family on the phone and consecrate the elements on the phone. That's a lot of work, but not really any different at the end of the day than these things. Now, these options sound quite right to me, uh, but what would a biblical answer be? The biblical answer is trust your pastor at this time and decline the sacrament in this way. I disagree with this theologically. I think it's wrong. I've already said that a lot in other places. Um, I don't want to call it your particular pastor. I don't want to send you at him and say, well, Pastor Fisk says, no, I mean, it doesn't matter what I say. He's your pastor. That's what your church teaches. And I've said already, look, your, your teaching on the office of the ministry is, in fact, authentically this. How it impacts your understanding of the sacrament? Well, um, it shouldn't really, but it did because you basically removed the need for the office of the ministry entirely, right? And so now you can just have anybody who's at home who is representing Christ, do the function of the office, and you have it, your church, wherever you want to be. Um, this has been our argument from the start in the, in the Wells LCMS uh, theological divide. Uh, there is the issue of us liberalizing way back in the day, but I think we repented of that one, right? I'm pretty sure we did, officially, at least. You know, there was a big walkout and all that. Uh, so so in, in any case, um, you know, I've answered before, you know, what, what would the answer be, though? I mean, you, you, your answer is to trust your pastor or to go find a pastor that doesn't teach uh, what he teaches, he's going to teach this. If you're well as you believe this, kind of. I don't know if you believe in the result, but you believe in the in the premise. So, um, so you believe it. Um, but personally, I would not take the sacrament that way because I have no confidence that it is the sacrament. Uh, in any of these ways, I have no. I, 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 it could be. There's all sorts of things that God can do because He can do everything, right? God can make a box that's too big for God to fit into. No, He can't. Yes, He can. Chicken egg. I know, but but still, like He's God, so I get to say that one. He, God can make a box He's too big to fit into. And then he can fit in it, too, if he wants to, even though he was too big to fit into it before. He can do all of that. Um, and, and, and so I'm not questioning God's ability to transmogrify the, uh, <laughs> um, the substance of the bread and wine, but not the accidents of the bread and wine into the substance of Jesus, uh, which is kind of what you're believing it's really all about at this moment, not to be transubstantiation pushing on you, but it kind of is what you're using a little bit. Uh, as, as a belief system, right? Uh, that the magical words of the priests would go over the interwebs. Now, granted, you, you've got it at home as well, but I have no confidence that in any of these, whether it's the magical word of the priests on the interwebs on the phone, or, or whether it is the magical words spoken by you, uh, the father and priest of the home, uh, a believer and baptized member and warrior of Zion, I have no confidence because the designated and official keys of the ministry to feed the sheep are not present physically with you and are being denied their existence to some extent as a reflection, again, of an ultimate denial of what that binding meal does to us when we eat it together. Um, and what it does to believe there's an office with authority over you. I shouldn't neglect that one. We are in a 200 to 300 a year reaction against authority because we don't like kings. But we are people who have a king. And we have, we have, we have pushed our not liking of kings and king's authority as Americans onto our not liking of pastor's authority as Americans. And you can point to historical abuses. Yeah, of course you can. But that doesn't justify the distrust, and it doesn't justify the false teaching with regard to the fourth commandment, right? Uh, and, and so that's what's going on here as well. So I, what would the answer be? You, you, I would not commune personally this way, but I would not at this time bring this up. 
right with that last email. Your pastor does not need to hear you questioning or condemning him right now unless it's truly going to destroy everything immediately. Your opinion matters, but you want to couch it very carefully because no matter what's going on, just realize that most of what he's getting is either there's a fire over here, help, or that was wrong. Like that's, that's the general feedback he's going to receive, right? And so if you can hold the discussion about ultimately reconciling with the LCMS off for a couple of months, you might want to do that and then come in and ask later, can we talk about what happened back during COVID? Because it didn't sit well with me. Um, I believe, I think what we believe, can you help me with this, right? Um, and you might, if you, I mean, if you're, if you're, if I'm uh, causing some questions, you might go digging again on uh, on this issue. Now, I don't know enough about this issue, the history of this division. I've tried to bring it up with Kuntz a couple of times. He knows a lot more than I do. I'm not even sure where to point you, other than to uh, other. I know there are other Wells podcasters. Someone sent me a podcast recently, and I don't have it memorized yet. I'm sorry, guys. You're on my my feed. I'll get you eventually. There's a good Wells podcast out there with a couple. Um, a couple of Wells pastors and, you know, might ask those guys for this kind of thing, um, as opposed to a guy from a different church body that you're technically not supposed to pray with, right? So I, I'm the bad guy uh, as I give the answer. So let that uh, be your guide. Uh, let's see here. We got, uh, sorry to bother you. Bother me? You're sending me a question. That's what this whole thing is for. Uh, I was wondering if you could direct me towards some sources for studying 1 Corinthians 10.4. Good buddy. I got to say it. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> did you get it? Uh, for I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea and all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, the mo most of them, with most of them, God was not pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness. So, uh, I'm writing a research paper, he says, on different interpretations of that text. I always use the word understanding, Matthew. I don't use the word interpretation. I'm going to tell you why. Interpretation means that the text is over there, and my listener is over there, and I'm between the text and the listener, and my job is to tell them what I think it means. But it's a translation, and so ultimately, it's just not the real thing. The actual text, you can't know it, you can't reach it. This is a ploy of postmodernism all built into a single word, interpretation, as opposed to another word that works much better is understanding, in which the text is on top of you and you stand underneath its truth. And now you're not just a translator, you're a proclaimer and a herald, a knower of the truth. So understanding, yes, there are many interpretations of the text. That's the definition of interpretation, but there is only one true understanding, no matter how many false understandings there might be. Uh, so um, I hope that you're writing a research paper on different understandings of that text looking for the true one and i want to do my view just well, thank you i've only begun the research process but i've had some difficulty finding sources for literal view of the text did i say there'd be questions today that would reflect on my new book without flesh <laughs> um, that would be the actual thing where i get very close to exegeting this text itself directly the, the biggest chapter in the book is a complete devotional exegetical treatment of first Corinthians as a book with an emphasis on chapters 10 and 11 and a focus on the use of the word body or soma uh, in the book as a binding idea for Paul that then centralizes itself in discerning the body of the, this is my body, right? So that's, that's the premise of the chapter. So you should find something on this verse there 
The other place I'd point you to pretty quickly, I haven't read this verse carefully in it, but I'm sure he does a, a good treatment, uh, is uh, in the Concordia Commentary series. If you put that into uh, Amazon.com, you will get blue books. There are these blue commentaries. In the Concordia Commentary series on 1 Corinthians by Koenig, I want to say it's Koenig. I'm not looking right now. Kleinig, is it Kleinig that did that one? Um, uh, I, I don't have it with me, and I have not read it cover to cover. Uh, but I've glanced at, at elements of it because of my interest in like exactly what you're looking at. Like I want to go deep on this section, right? Um, he would give you a really good, careful, deep treatment of the text that I would say you could you could trust to represent my position more or less. Um, uh, so that's an expensive book. Uh, if you can get to a library, if you live near St. Louis. Uh, your pastor might have a copy if you're not a pastor uh, and um, uh, borrow that copy because it is a pricey book uh, and a big heavy one too. So uh, that, that's where I would point you. Uh, any commentary will get you started but not necessarily represent my position. I don't even know that I have an official position on the text. I did preach on this through the Old Testament series this year. Sadly, those are not listed by topic but by day. Uh, I would have to say you're looking at, oh, where are we? This is sometime around the Lord's Supper stuff. This would have been early Lent uh, or right on the other side of Lent, uh, late Epiphany, uh, where I do a sermon on this, and you'll get some text-by-text -text stuff there as well in that sermon. Maybe someone else in the comments can find that and point you to it uh, as well if they know the one and, and can get to it quickly. So I hope that helps there. Uh, someone throws in here, this is pretty sweet, uh, encouragement from Luther during times of plague. So Dr. Martin Luther lived during the Black Plague. It was actually a big part of their life, along with something called the Thirty Years' War. Most of the life of the Lutheran Reformation was filled with tremendous trial and death, whether it was by the sword or by pestilence or by even weather in those days. But uh, they had horrific lives uh, compared to ours by, by standard of living uh, counts and proportions. Before I read a book and do a series on on uh, Mrs. Dr. Rosa, right? Um, Miss, is she a Miss? Miss Dr. Rosa. Uh, one of my hopes is to do a series on uh, on a couple of our Lutheran fathers uh, from this time period because there's two great books from CPH about both these guys. They're both really thick, and we could do a full on bonus content dig on it. But I'm not going to do it till I get through at least Daniel for you. Um, uh, but, but, uh, the time period, the reason I want to do that is the time period and, and, and the way they lived, it would have been so similar. They're just like us in every way. And yet the amount of, of suffering that they would have faced on a regular basis is just mind boggling to us. We can't even imagine it. And why we, the reason we should is we should be able to believe it's possible to endure it. And it's really not as bad as we're afraid it is. Fear is the mind killer. No, it's not in the Bible, but it kind of should be. Uh, it kind of is true, right? The fear of men uh, is the mind killer. The fear of God, it is the mind giver. Uh, and, uh, and in this, in the fear of death is is the mind killer and, and one that we do not have to submit to. Uh, but it's, it's so much easier to do it when we think that what we need is the comforts, the comforts, right? And to believe you can live without them. Tim Ferriss has an interesting thing. I've never done it quite like this. I'm just trying to gradually do it everywhere all the time. But what he he does is he pulls a bit out of Seneca. Technically, I shouldn't say Tim Ferriss. I should say Seneca, uh, the, the great Stoic philosopher. 
uh, says set aside a time. I forget if it's every month or if it's every every uh, quarter or whatever. But set aside a time at which you, I'm going to put it in American terms, uh, eat fried beans out of a can, sleep on the floor, and wear dish rags around the house. Don't go anywhere. Uh, don't allow yourself any entertainment. Basically live like an utter beggar for a day and a half just so afterwards you can say, oh, I can do this. That's not so bad. All right, what am I afraid of? Nothing. Okay, here we go, right? Now, I've never done that. Tim Ferriss, I guess, does this, right? It's like a three-day or a two-day thing. He sleeps on the floor in his kitchen also. That's better. Go for it, dude. That's great. Um, I've taken more of a, a I'd call it a temperate approach, uh, a sober approach, uh, which is to gradually and with um, with moderation try to apply that idea just in general and say, what could I live without? Let's try. Uh, what could I live without? Let's try. Um, and if I do that, and I if I live without more, what it's kind of cool has allowed me to do is that when I do live with something, I can really care about it, whether that means um, I can uh, I can spend more money on it than I otherwise would. Like I happen to have a Yeti water bottle. I didn't buy the cheaper one that I had bought, you know, before uh, and, and lived with for years and years um, because, you know, it's it's like this is it, right? This I mean, I don't like the lid, sadly, and it's too small, but that's too bad, Jonathan. Like this is going to be your bottle for a good long while. And I love it, right? Uh, deal with it. And actually, it's really good for some things. It's just too small for all-day carry, and, and that's the biggest issue. I need to be able to fit two of these for an all-day carry, but I have an older one uh, for that. But uh, my point being, right, 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 by, by, by taking the approach of saying I can live with less, what if, by imagining the worst-case scenario and saying well, what I want in the worst-case scenario, it's called fear setting as well. Um, uh, Tim Ferriss does a TED Talk on this. Uh, by, by doing that, you can kind of go back at reality with just a little bit more of an open clarity. Like, like things don't bother you as much when you're not afraid of losing them you know? or when you know you're gonna, you know, it's just, it's just here for a time. Do you worry about losing your steak when you eat it? Right. Or you're like, well, I don't think I want to eat it. Cause then it'll be gone. And like, like maybe that's the way with a certain dessert once a year or something like that. Right. Um, but, but generally speaking with your meal for dinner, do you sit down and your first thought is, well, I better not eat it all because it might be gone then. No, right? You know, you, 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 that's what you use it for. So to see everything else that way, the whole life is like that. Every gift, every tool is like that. And if it lasts, it lasts. If it doesn't, it doesn't. So anyway, so here's Luther writing during the time of the bubonic plague. I killed like a third of Europe's population over a generation, decade, something like this. I don't know what the time frame was. It was a lot of people, a lot of death. I don't know if it was Monty Python style, but it was... Uh, uh, bring out your dead, right? Uh, so, so here's what Luther wrote at that time about this. He said, "I shall ask, uh, I shall ask God mercifully to protect. Then I shall fumigate, help purify the air, uh, administer medicine, and take it. I shall avoid places and persons where my presence is not needed, in order to not become contaminated, and thus perchance." inflict and pollute others and so cause their death as a result of my negligence if god should wish to take me he will surely find me and i i have done what he has expected of me and so i am not responsible for either my own death or the death of others if my neighbor needs me however i shall not avoid place or person but go freely as stated above See, this is such a God-fearing faith because it is neither brash nor foolhardy and does not tempt God. Now, I can't say it better than that. I feel like that's exactly what I've been trying to say this whole time. So um, I'm going to do it again, in fact. And I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to do this and uh, maybe we'll get some pizza 
in the comments as a result. Uh, let the reader understand. So to do this, I, I want to get us a good a good copy of this. I think we could use this for the shorter video releases of the show, which goes out onto the YouTube webs all the time. So here it is. During a time exactly like this one, only a little different because it was way worse because like a third of Europe was bringing out the dead during the bubonic plague, Dr. Martin Luther, of noted fame, mostly for believing that Jesus is risen from the dead, had this to say when he was asked what he was going to do with regard to the plague getting close to Wittenberg. He said, I shall ask God mercifully to protect and then I shall fumigate, and I shall help purify the air, I shall administer medicine, and I shall take it. And I shall avoid places and persons where my presence is not needed in order to not become contaminated and thus perchance inflict and pollute others and so cause their death as a result of my negligence. But if God should wish to take me, well, I know he will surely find me. And I have done what he has expected of me, so I am not responsible either for my death or for the death of others. And if my neighbor needs me, I shall not avoid place or person, but go freely, as stated above. See, this is such a God-fearing faith, because it is neither brash nor foolhardy, and it does not tempt God. End quote. Thank you, Dr. Martin Luther, from across the stretches of time. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, forever. Pizza slices. Is he not? Amen. Good stuff right there. We're bringing it back over so you can see the next question. Got more for you here. Don't want to leave any of it behind. I hope that the not remembering to put it on manual video did not ruin that clip too much. I felt like it went pretty well, though. What's it like to be behind the scenes? Yeah, behind the scenes and in front at the same time. More of your own commentary highlights from last week. So if you've left comments in the sidebar this morning so far, uh, then you will; uh, those will be gone over with a tender and careful eye and then turned into this kind of document. If your question's there, and I never touched on it today or anything like that, so um, we're doing last week's right now. Uh, from Loving Jesus, she says, Oh, can you please explain the forg forgiveness by the office of the keys, John 20, 23, and the Lord's Prayer. Uh, when I want to forgive a false teacher that I once had, he is forgiven. Is he forgiven? Or can only his confession absolution bring absolution. All right. So uh, what I want to do for this question here, I believe, I, I'm not going to go look at the Bible verses here. All right. Because I just, I want you to get the distinction between, between something. I, I'm, I'm going to struggle to put it to words here in a second, but I, I'll give it to you. Okay. But there's a distinction in forgiveness. Taking a drink of water there. It, it is, there are two kinds of forgiveness that you're really talking about. And there may even be more. I don't know, right? I haven't done the dogmatic parsing of this into nuts and bolts. Again, that's what the old dogmaticians did. That can be very valuable, but it can also be very distracting. But what you got to see is that at the very least, when you're having these questions, you're asking about two different things in the presence of God. You're talking about the state of your heart, and you're talking about another man's state of his heart, meaning faith, right? I'm not talking about how pure or how sincere you are. I'm talking about the state of your faith. Do you have faith? Do you not have faith? And then for you, it's the state of your heart in that faith, which desires to be at peace with all men, desires to reconcile with your enemies, and thereby desires to forgive and overlook all evils ever done against you and treat those who did those evils as those who had not. 
Okay, uh, that, that, is, that is the heart and soul of Christianity's love of neighbor that is unleashed by the forgiveness of sins that we have in Jesus Christ. And, and your desire is that you would enact that forgiveness outwardly in your emotional and mental attitude towards someone who you would seem no longer have a particular relationship with. And that is a laudable goal that you have, and I would encourage you to pursue it. But then to see that it has absolutely zero to do, at least directly and minutely, with his own salvation. Now, if you were to confront him and say, I forgive you, could that create his salvation? Yeah, it could. Could it not and harden him instead? Yeah, it could. So there is that. But the important thing is that his salvation relies upon him believing in the forgiveness he receives from Jesus, of which yours is also that, right? Um, but, but he has other places to receive this, right? Does he believe it where he receives it? And that is the forgiveness uh, which he would then have as absolution. So you can forgive someone in your heart, but absolution in the truest sense of the word is only going to be wherein someone receives it by faith, right? So we're dealing with forgiveness as your, your posture versus forgiveness as someone else's faith. In this, then, his disconnect from the office of the ministry, if he has one, if there is no forgiveness from outside of him, but only from within, you're in sort of that reformed sacramentarian world of struggling to purify your own heart, um, and I can't really answer it all, right? Um, but what he needs uh, is the office of the keys, right, which then officially can confirm for him that he is forgiven, that the posture of his heart, which is the desire of forgiveness, is indeed the posture of his God toward him, which is to authorize that absolution. That authority belongs to the church at large, all Christians in all places, but is not exercised by all Christians in all places, but is handed by the church in all times and all places to men locally, to exercise it, we call those guys shepherds for a reason. Yeah, and we've forgotten that one. Big time, I gotta say. Desert Bear says, uh, loving Jesus, that's such a great question. As someone who struggled with false teaching, I'd love to know the answer too. So, well, I mean, how do you forgive someone who was your false teacher? Um, again, if you're talking about emotionally and in the heart, uh, the, the real uh, issue you're dealing with is your own posture as one who has mercy on all people. So if it helps you to focus on that individual, that's great. If it doesn't, if it makes it harder to lead a posture of grace, I would say leave your hatred for that individual in a little corner on the side, but know it's there. Label it, name it, point at it, gnash your teeth at it, laugh at it, scoff at it, and then focus on a posture of grace in general. And then in doing that, move back toward that box again. And this time when you point at it, maybe there'll be some more grace there. But I'm saying, you know, if you, if you haven't learned to walk, you can't run, right? Um, and so you want to learn to walk. And that starts by uh, practicing forgiveness with everybody, which starts by believing that the right posture when you walk out your door is patience and mercy toward other people, right? That whatever they do to you, your first step is to let them do it one more time and try to understand on their behalf what they need. Easier said than done, no doubt, uh, because, you know, sinner's going to sin. Uh, but it is, it is the heart's desire to not have that and the hunger for God to make it so to sanctify our lives in such a way, even now, uh, through faith unto sight, uh, that, that drives us, right? So you want to you wanna train that. Now, in this, I will say on the record uh, that what is so-called loving kindness meditation isn't bad for this if you can find it taught without some other guru schmuru stuff 
Or if you, I mean, many people are capable of like letting the guru stuff in the first 10 seconds of the, of the online yoga session. You can be like, okay, I'm going to ignore it. I'll make the sign of the cross. And now here we, here we go. I'm stretching out, right? So if you can do that, that's great. But the point is that the, the loving kindness meditation basically says, let's just do it. Let's do it right here. Okay. A little clip. Um, what I want you to do is uh, just close your eyes for a moment. And I want you to take a deep breath. And when you take that deep breath, try it again. And, and this time, just try to feel the breath the whole way through. Like, don't let go. Like, you have thoughts. They're good. They'll come back. Um, but just kind of follow the feeling of that breath all the way in, all the way out. All right. It's hard to stay with it, isn't it? So now, okay. So just do that. Now, I just want you to bring to mind um, someone you love tremendously. The, the person who makes you smile so fast. And and. What happens for me when this is brought up is my my youngest daughter, Alleluia, and it's not fair. It should be my wife, and it should be all my children, but for whatever reason, Alleluia learned to smile at me early, and so all she ever does is smile at me, and so all I ever do is smile back. And so when I have to think about someone to smile for, I mean, it's like, okay, so just come up with that person, okay? Come up with that person who makes you smile. And I just want you to think. Think about that person with a prayerful attitude, right? Um, now, this is not true loving-kindness meditation. We're actually going to be Christians here and just kind of be prayerful. prayerful. I just want you to say, um, uh, uh, God bless that person. God protect that person. God forgive that person. God establish that person. Do that again. God bless that person. God protect that person. God forgive that person. God establish that person, that person who makes you smile, whom you love. And, and know that their smile and, and their receiving of your love is a channel in which that forgiveness can be given to them. God bless them. God forgive them. God establish them now. Grab that false teaching in your head. Feel how all your body emotions changed immediately when I said it, right? You grab them in your head. You can feel all those emotions, but remember the other ones too, right? Take that breath and ask, uh, you know, God, God bless that person. God forgive that person. God establish that person. It would be good for that person if God did these things. Hmm. Say that once, say that twice. It would be good for that person if God forgave them. I want them to be forgiven. It would be good for them. That's what God does. It would make them like the person I love so much, freely forgiven and smiling in Christ. That's what I want on them. There you go. You had a moment of mindfulness, and it was loving-kindness meditation. You basically grab somebody you care about and love them in your head quietly for three minutes if you can, and then you do it again for someone who you don't have such an easy time loving and you're training the muscle, right? Uh, for what it's worth, I don't usually do video with my eyes closed. Um, I probably shouldn't, but I did. That was weird, wasn't it? Not what I was expecting to do this morning. I hope it helped. I actually did it <laughs> while we were doing it too. So it, it helped me. Um, uh, Todd, let's see, I'm gonna make sure I get to the bottom of this thing here. Todd says this, I need to make some spaces. Oh, oh, video change. Don't be distracted podcast. I love you too. I'm thinking of you all the time. Todd says, how would you dismantle the popular evangelical argument that uh oh that Romans 6 oh come on <laughs> I'll start again how would you dismantle the popular evangelical argument that Romans 6 is three uses of the word baptism is not referring to water baptism but to a dry holy spirit baptism um by finding it anywhere in the bible as an option first like like there's precedent for this idea somewhere in the bible and there's not so again, I can I can poop into a pie crust and call it pudding, but you're just making it up. So the, the point of Scripture interpreting Scripture, you know, I thought, is that it's all true. 
and so in that way, there will be signposts and clarities and things to gather around. The, the Bible's not going to deceive you with trick words, right? So if it's going to tell you baptism exists without water, I think it would tell you that without making you just believe it and then read it into Romans 6 in order to defend your position that Romans 6 doesn't say what Romans 6 evidently says if you read the word baptism the way you read it everywhere else in the Bible always. I mean, do I really need to debate that? I thought you were going, the better argument is that it's Paul, at least his creative argument, is that it's Paul prior to his conversion. Romans 6 and 7. That's a more fun argument there. Because then you can kind of see this as like, you know, all kind of what was wrong. That's a stupid argument too, though. Um, forgive me, but it's just not even worth the time. If you're, if you're, if you're making that argument, go start your own heterodox, heterodox heresy churches and do your thing with the liberals and chase the progressive dreams. Because um, it just, I mean, we just don't got time for that anymore. That's not real scholarship. It's not even real logical thinking. It's it's parroting. It's parroting uh, a, a, a a what's the right word for this? Uh, establishment doctrine that isn't doctrine, but it's establishment doctrine of the way the church has handled the Bible for the last hundred and fifty years that we thought somehow was going to help us, and it really just hasn't helped us. Uh, and and uh, the, the arguments on their, on their face value, we think, oh, well, if we, if, we get, if we get with our enemies and argue about this, it'll fix it. But we don't. We just, we just shoot at each other. And what we'd be better off to do is acknowledging that these differences are, are, are significant and real, right? But that Christianity doesn't have time to, to argue about personalities, right? It doesn't have time to argue about who likes who. I follow Paul. I follow Apollos. And if you're, oh, I follow Christ. Oh, you're, you're in the same problem too. So I don't, I don't have time. I want us to unify for the darkness that's upon us at the moment, which I think is significant, and not waste our time arguing with dead Germans from the 1880s in, in the ultimately ignorant heritage of their offspring in their, in their white towers. Um, they don't even know what's going on. <laughs> I remember so vividly being chided. Chided, I tell you, as a young pastor, freshman pastor, rookie year. And the old man, God bless his heart, he'd served however he served before me. The old man at that dinner table, as I walked away, didn't know I could hear him. I don't know. Did he have his hearing aids turned up too loud? I don't know. He, how could he not know I would hear him? But he spoke ill of me as I left the table. And what he said that was ill of me was, I don't know about that guy. He believes that there's actually pagans out there. It was, uh, it was later that same year on a train to visit my folks in Kansas City that I had a conversation with a, a God-fearing German pagan, amazingly. And I was just referring to the fact that most of America is pagan to begin with. The most American Christianity is effectively worship nature or a building in some way. So, like, that's all I was saying. But, like... It, the ignorance of the, the satisfied ivory tower with regard to the state of the warfare right now. Yes, there's pagans here. <laughs> Jeez. There's so many pagans. Like, authentic. Like, they worship the ground for reals pagans. Dancing in twilight with moonshine pagans, right? You got all sorts of stuff going on right now. And, and so to argue against this to me by doing more than dismissing it in the way that I did, like, you can put poop in a bucket and then use it for dinner and try to make it work, but it just, you just made it up. 
It just you need baptism defined. Show the baptism where water is not involved. Show it Hist historically. They always like to go to Acts for everything. Where's the where's the one where it says they were baptized with the Spirit, without the water? Where is it? Oh look, here's water. Shall I not be baptized? Isn't that what the eunuch says? I mean, when the when you read a book and it and it puts a word early in the book, don't you usually like like assume that it means the same thing unless they change the definition later and tell you about it, right? And by and large, you know, if you name a guy Bob, and then Bob shows up later, it's still Bob. It's not Harry anymore. <laughs> Jeez. Or half a Bob. Oh, for pity's sakes. Um, so I don't know. How, how would I dismantle that? Did I dismantle it? I didn't mean to be mean. It's getting late in the day. Running low on energy. Need some breakfast. Uh, Jedinite Anakin chimes in, says, Daniel was the high priest of the Magi, and the Magi knew how to find Jesus. Isn't that very interesting? They had a book with something about stars, which isn't really in the book. And then they follow the star. It's a weird. It's a weird story. That could go a long way. But I want to come back here uh, to the uh, the big screen and acknowledge another super chat. Thank you, Stacy. Oh, 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 almost there. Thank you, Stacy. Five dollars says we have been doing a meditation relaxation time at work. So appreciate an example of doing it prayerfully. Yeah, I've thought about how to put it. I mean, I practice every day more or less. I've thought about how to try to put stuff online more, but I don't want it to distract from what's really going on and I got enough projects, but um, there is a way as a Christian to wake up and stretch and pray at the same time. And it isn't evil, right? Like you can do it. You can figure it out. And, and your devotional resources like prayer books, they're good for that. Memorize something, right? Um, and also music, uh, I find uh, hymns or, or what have you. Uh, so I don't know how to get more information out there about it, but you're, you're welcome for that example. Uh, and I, I hope it helps helps a little bit to start with. There may be more of that in the future. All right. So we got a few more questions directly from uh, the website here. Uh, get on to manual. We got a question from WeTV Days. So Matt asks this one. He says, I'm trying to track down a series called Catechesis for Evangelicals that I read at Worldview Everlasting a few years ago. Do you have it available? Do you know where? Uh, I found it helpful. Would like to listen again. Now, there's someone in the comments who might have an answer for you on this one. I'm looking at you, Yamabe. But I can tell you that wherever that came from on the website, the guy who put it there and the guy who knew and really was the mastermind behind that portion of stuff usually was Peter Slayton. You can find him at Crucial Productions now, I believe. Uh, and if you just Google Crucial Productions, you can find him there and ask him this exact same question. And he should be able to, you, uh, to get you to it. I mean, I know he... Along with you, you mentioned reading, right? I, I I don't know specifically that. He also had like a whole podcast series of accumulated uh, various podcasts in order to take you from evangelicalism to Lutheranism in the most direct line. And it was really genius. So um, if he still has that and can get that to you, I recommend asking him for that uh, as you can. Yeah. So uh, when in Rome, there's no LCMS, uh, writes Lorenzo. So I'll make it as short as I can. I'm from Rome. That's exciting to me, Lorenzo. Uh, Italy. We have no LCMS-like pastors here, I am sure. There's one in Spain. <laughs> That's close, right? We're Americans. Um, uh, the closest I could find was some Baptists and some Waldensians. Wow. Well, the Waldensians were heretics before Luther. They're not quite on the same line of trajectory but they did point out a few of the same problems at the time. So there is that. I have a really deep, he goes on, I have a really deep spiritual, emotional scars in my past experiments, experiences in fundamentalist Pentecostal groups. You think? I, I mean, I don't mean to mock you. I, uh, yeah. Uh, false teaching hurts people. 
Um, I'm not asking you to give me a direct pastoral advice, though any advice is welcome. I'm asking you, if you know anyone, I can bother more extensively via mail or social media. Uh, peace and grace in our Lord Jesus Christ. So you know who gets excited by talking about this kind of stuff is Brian Wolfmuller. He's an extrovert. I'm an introvert, which means when I go offline, I want to be alone. When he goes offline, he wants you to text him. <laughs> I think. Maybe not. I'd reach out to Brian. Um, uh, Chris Roseboro may have some good uh, connections. Pirate Christian Radio, he might have some good connections for you um, that I don't know about. Uh, I would also say track down, um, absolutely track down a guy named John Bombaro. If you go to lcms.org, okay, lcms.org, and look for the resources button, and under that button, look for, it's like a locator, resources locator. Look for the locator button, and then look for clergy, right? And look, type in Bombaro, B-O-M-B-A-R-O. He is the regional director for, I think it's Western Europe, but it might be Eastern Europe. In either case, he's going to be highly connected and plugged in over there uh, and and would be the one who could figure out how to be in contact with you, um, which would be good and helpful, right? Um, I would die to put a, Ro a church in Rome. Oh, my goodness. That would be the best thing ever. But the way that happens is slowly and carefully. And so thank you for reaching out. Get in touch with him. Stay in touch with me regarding that. Uh, I will I will ask uh, Frisbee the hand to, to flag anything that comes in from you so I get I see it if there's more questions about getting in contact with people and whatnot, or if you have specific questions about what to do as a sole Lutheran Christian in in Babylon's own mighty beating heart. Yeah. Um it begins. <laughs> uh yeah, I I mean for now, the first thing to do is, is get in touch with him and keep listening to stuff online. Uh, Pirate Christian Radio, I kid you not, uh, to recover from Pentecostalism, it can be one of the best things you'll ever find, fighting for the faith particularly, uh, until it's the worst, right? So for a while, you need to see how the pill is red and not blue, uh, and, and he does that really well. And then finally, you get sick and tired of it, and you're just mad at it all, and it helps to step away for a little bit at that point. So I'd recommend Roseboro to you pretty hard. Of course, issues, etc. is always there, and of course, my stuff is here. So... Um, awesome stuff. We've got another super chat coming in. Let's see. I got to make sure I have this. <laughs> I need my hot button thing. I have a cool, I have a cool tool for hot buttoning this eventually, but it's still, I wonder if I can make it do that manual switch again. Um, and I might've just skipped. Oh, I didn't. Here we go. Kurdinland. Uh, Kurdinland. Is that a German word? Uh, it sounds awesome. Uh, yeah, it's for us from Kurdinland. It's, uh, it, hmm. Shows you my American ignorance. That's not a dollar sign. I don't think it's a pound. It's pretty cool looking, though. I don't like the dollar sign. So I'm looking at, like, for, for the listener, this is like a backwards capital C with an equal sign through the middle of it. <sighs> That's from Curtin He says, keep up the great work. Many thanks. And Oh, there it is. Duh. Did you ever have that moment where you had the test? I didn't, but my mom told me about this test. Maybe it was a lie in a story. A wise tale to scare children about the test where if you don't read to the end of the test, you don't know that the last thing the test says, don't do anything, close it, be done, sit down. And the only thing they tell you is read all the way to the end before you start. That's kind of what just happened here. Yeah. So uh, a great work from Germany. Is it the, see, but I, I still don't know. Is it the Ruple? No, that's, that's Russia. I do not know my monetary policy globally. Nope. Nope. Um, keep up the great work. Many thanks and greetings from Germany and enjoy my breakfast. I will enjoy it when I get there. I have some leftover. I had a, I had a nice steak last night. I had myself a good New York, about eight bucks from Costco, you know, per per 
piece of meat. And uh, and I didn't eat all the fat. So this morning I'm going to cut up the fat and put that with something else nice and creamy and eggy, probably. Um, sounds very tasty to me. So thank you, Colonel Len. Really appreciate the super chat. Particularly. Um, all right. So the Reichmark. Aha. It, that really is called the Reichmark? After everything. Oh. Ah. There. That's funny, Jedi Knight Cringewalker. And that really betrays my ignorance, doesn't it? Shows you how little I really care about the EU. I really don't. It is awful, though. Uh, like the UN and the US and China and Russia. I mean, all of us, really. Yeah, ultimately. But um, I don't care about its monetary policy much. Uh, the Euro, for pity's sakes, I remember the Euros. That was so sad. It seemed like a great idea. kind of was a great idea. But so sad. Like The identity of a culture is tied to the things you carry with you in your pocket. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh. And so, yeah, calling it the right mark, too. I get it. I get the joke now. Hopefully everybody else does, too. That would be the joke, not the real name. And let the reader understand. It's pretty accurate, I would say. Um, I want to know what on earth a geochron clock is. I don't know what a geochron clock is, but we have a email from you about geochron clocks. I'll make it short. I'm from Rome. Oh, no. It is an error. We have copied and pasted. Oh, no, no. I just haven't done it yet. There we go. Thank you. It survives. Okay. I was listening on last Saturday's morning chill, and you were talking about a sunshine clock. Oh, really? Oh, I'm excited. I'm an amateur radio operator, and I've come across a clock called the Geochron. Not a very cheap option, but there is a version that is like an Apple TV that you hook up to an HD or a 4K TV. Oh, my goodness. And is it? I'm, I'm going to it right now. Hopefully, this isn't like some uh, Rickroll link <laughs> or worse. Uh, so it shows you the planet. Hold on. There's no sound, I know. Uh, it's showing you the planet and the, and the light, and it's connected. Well, it's kind of cool. But then without the sound, hold on. Maybe I can get sound for, no, no sound. I'm gonna have to look at this later. It tells you, you can basically look at the weather all over the world. It does show you where the sun is and where it's moving. That would kind of work. Way more complicated than I was looking for. That's pretty cool though. I will, I will take a look at that later. I'm gonna pause that. Let's go uh, back to why you shared it. Oh, come now, come now. I need to go, there we go, there we go, just like that. So not a cheap option. Uh, yeah, no. So the, the idea that, that I'm after again is like, I want a clock that can go on my wall. I'm not going to show you my clock over here, but I really like it. I wish it was battery powered rather than having a plug for the wall. Uh, but it, it effectively is a little tiny screen, like a cheap little screen, kind of like you would have to show your pictures, right? I've never done that where you get like a digital picture frame or whatever, kind of like that. And so it says Saturday morning, 10, 17 a.m., really big. And then it's got the date underneath it, and it's digitalized, and it's white on black, which I, just, I adore. It's great. But what I really want is one that would be just like it, only the screen would not show me the time of day. It would show me where the sun is in the sky <laughs> with relation to setting. Um, and that the color and everything would shift maybe. Or you could do that. You could totally do it with a hand on a circle where it would point to like daylight, like noontime daylight sunshine. It would point to... Um, uh, uh, you know, other types of sun that you would know it's sunset, it's dusk. And, and then you would have to have it set up. So it was connected to the internet, right? And it's reading 
the sunrise sunset for the day and it's adjusting internally the mechanism of the gears in order to do it right it this would be a really complicated thing um but i would buy it that is so cool uh i would love that not to get rid of the clock but there are days especially when i want to work deep work thinking right i don't want to i don't want to go in hours i want to go in like mornings right uh, or, or just split the morning in two and kind of see how that works. And sunrise, sunset is such a natural way. Like no matter what you do, uh, in the summer you want to work on stuff, do stuff more. In the winter you want to kind of sit back and relax more, right? That, that's that's the clock. And I want to put that clock in my mind uh, and balance my day on that clock a little more because I think it'll just be smoother, yeah? Um, but I'll still hopefully make appointments and, and all that. So that's what I'm looking for. But this this is really cool. So a Geochron clock right there right so um let's see here it is 10 19 i'm gonna come back and we're gonna look at just whatever you're talking about immediately while i also think about how long we have been going and what time we got left um okay so here it is yeah darth mick has a clock that shows me where the sun is it's called looking out the window it's a clock called looking out the window if i write that down and google it will it show up that's kind of what i want i kind of want to build an awesome one too looking out the window it's a problem when your mind is always filled with inventions. This, let me tell you, and stories. I finally realized that most of my personal fears are novels I'm writing. Like, if I stop about it, I'm like, wait a minute, that was a story I was just telling about the future that probably won't even happen, but it was really fantastic and vivid and, and like terrifying. It's like, I, maybe I should write horror fiction. I'm not quite going to do that. Although there is an old one element to the book dust. Uh, but but uh, <laughs> it's kind of nice to be like, oh, I'm just telling myself a story. That fear is just a story. Okay, well, that was a good story. I don't want to tell that story anymore. I'm going to tell a different story. Um, so it's kind of annoying, but it means that you're telling stories about what the world could be. And you're always imagining things like Geochron looking out the window, awesome clocks of righteousness and stuff. <laughs> just call it that for fun. I missed a super chat. Oh no, I thought I grabbed it. I thought I thought I missed one. Oh. That doesn't count. You know what this is? This is actually this is good though. This is good. This is advertising. This is wise. Somebody's afraid I might catch him. He's afraid that in my absence and quietness before I lost my mind and went mad and was just trying to like walk a thin line, uh, in my absence and quietness that perhaps he had gotten a lead on me in awesomeness and now he knows. I'm creeping up the back because, well, <sighs> so he has to advertise on my show. Brian Wolfmuller says, $10? You get like three seconds for that, right? What did he say? I don't know. Something about Worldwide Bible Class, Tuesday, Texas, 10. Uh, so, yeah, something like that. Brian's doing something Tuesday at 10 in Texas. Go look for it. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, I love it. Oh, I love it, Brian. Uh, for all who know, Brian and I um, openly acknowledge that we have a healthy brotherly rivalry and we both are totally convinced the other person's ahead of us pretty much all the time. And, we're, and it's our measure of like self-worth is trying to keep up with the other guy. But it's been generally gregarious, which is nice, right? So we're not, we're not arch enemies, we're, we're arch heroes or something, right? Uh, arch friends. Uh, so uh, all of that, I think, uh, do I have to send him ten more dollars? There we go. Uh, all of that I think leads to what amounts to good entertainment at the end of the day uh, when we get together and chat. Um, so, uh, what what is it worth, Brian, for a real advertisement? Right? Am I selling myself too cheap? I'm giving you more time for a mere comment, not another ten dollars here. I'd say that if you're trying to steal my 
Thunder, my online presence, and take it over to yours. Ten bucks is pretty cheap. I'd say to get pride a place here, not for pastoral care or direct questioning. I mean, think who you're taking away from right now, Brian. I have 50 bucks. I could sell my soul for 50 bucks pretty easily. So with that said, tune in to Brian Tuesday at 10 in Texas. That sounds cool. You can make a website with that. Um, and doing something pretty cool, I imagine, and I'm sure you can find it by just looking for it if you try. Um, Arch Friends. That's right. Someone can draw that, make a superheroes, the Arch Friends. <laughs> Sounds like the Super Friends, only stupider. Um, uh, what else we got in the comment section besides Brian Wolfmuller? That, that cannot be the end of the day. Uh, here we go. Arson. I want to say Arsonaut. I don't know why. Arsonaut's Angel Fire says, have you heard of the Gospel Coalition and what do you think about it and them? I have not heard of it for a long while, so I hesitate to say. My memory of it is that it's on the conservative end of sacramentarian confessing biblical Christianity and for that reason is better than many things, but ultimately just is the same melting pot of uh, sacramentarian, sacramentarian into... Um, Pentecostal into postmodern liberal death. Just another version of that. So it's like, okay, we're going to stop it. We'll pull back. Okay. I'll give you, I'll give you the counter example. So there is a church body in America that's been, this Lutheran that's been sliding into complete disaster for ages. Uh, and there is a, a denial of the existence of man and woman as creatures in reality that was made by this church body and, and a, a group of them said, that's enough, no more, we can't take it, we're going to go start a new church body. And they started that new church body, and the only thing they undid was that one last final change. It's going to happen again, guys. It's going to happen again. So what, what I've heard of the, uh, the Gospel Coalition, yeah, it's, it's, it's cleaning the pot, but you didn't change it from a table to an altar, and so it's not really going to fix the decay. That's my thoughts on that without going much deeper on it, but it's a good question indeed. Um, this is a funny thought since we're going to talk about Wolf Mueller. Uh, Jedi Knight says, uh, for most of my early 20s, were you a Padawan in your 20s? When did you become a Jedi? How did this happen? Huh? Uh, in your early 20s, you accidentally merged Wolf Mueller and Roseboro into a single person and was shocked when Wolf Mueller showed his face for the first time, but, and it wasn't a bearded man then. That's kind of funny. Um, they don't really sound alike to me. They do have similar theological backgrounds in, in a lot of ways. Um, so they have a, a more, uh, a similar journey to my own, I would say. Mm. I'm sorry, I was wrong. They have a more similar journey to each other than they do to me, right? Because they were really deep into the structures of evangelicalism. I only flirted with them in that regard. Uh, but to confuse them is kind of funny. I used to think of Brian as older than me. Because I, my first time I heard Brian speak, uh, he was uh, on issues, etc. And I was in my first call in New Jersey, which uh, went belly up within a couple of months for reasons that extended far beyond my presence there. Uh, and and um, I was in the garage of our little apartment that was super cold. It was like 800 bucks a month to heat this thing with baseboard heaters. And it was like 65 degrees and drafty. Oh, it was awful. Um uh, oh, it was brutal. I mean, they, they paid me, you know, East Coast living out there, but golly, it didn't go anywhere. Uh, so anyway, I was I was in the uh, the garage. I think I was is my first and last attempt to stain some woodwork from IKEA. 
that I'm going to do. My wife's good at this stuff. I'm bad at it. So my first and last attempt at that, and I'm listening to issues, et cetera, because it's my only lifeline. Like I'm alone and I think I'm crazy because I was taught one thing. I, I, I confessed it with some guys. I knew there were guys who didn't agree with me in my class on this stuff, but I believe some of it. And I suddenly found myself in nothing, no support, nobody nearby who believed what I believed. And all I had was issues, et cetera. And it was my lifeline. And I heard this voice with this weird accent that was sort of lazy sounding, but very hyper and fast. I heard him talking. I said, oh, this guy sounds like he makes sense. And uh, lo and behold, it was Brian Wolfmiller. Uh, and I thought he was, again, I thought he was older than me. I thought he'd been a pastor for like a decade or something like that. I didn't realize he'd only been out a couple of years. Um, and I just, I, I, I idolized him a little bit because I wanted to be on issues, et cetera. I wanted to be on the radio. I wanted to be a teacher who taught and people heard it. Right. Uh, and, and, uh, and so he, he not an idol, I think, in a bad way, but just sort of like, oh, man, that guy's got it. Right? So in my mind, Brian, you've been ahead the whole time. Uh, and I'm just trying to catch up. But uh, uh, yeah. Uh, I, and then Roseboro. How did I find Roseboro? I found Roseboro through issues as well. And it was before he went pirate. It was back when he was just doing the, uh, uh, the Southern California thing. And then he taught at Faith Capo or was connected to Faith Capo for a while. I listened to some of his stuff back then. Museum of Idolatry goes way back then as well. That's a, that's a classic place. It's kind of crazy. Um, and so, but, and then I, when, when he launched Pirate Christian, like, like I cut my teeth on dreaming of internet radio and what it could be uh, with listening to Pirate Christian radio. And Worldview Everlasting even comes about as a result of listening to Pirate Christian radio. So uh, what was happening was, uh, I was playing Fallout 3 on my PC, and Fallout 3, you have a little thing on your arm called a pip boy. You walk around with this, like your, well, you do a bunch of stuff inside of it, right? Like it's a little computer on your arm, your, your iPod, basically. And you could get radio on it. And I thought, well, why don't I just listen to what I want to listen to? Since I got music going on behind me all the time. And I started listening to Pirate Christian Radio while walking through the wasteland of, uh, I think it was New Vegas, actually. It was, it was the New Vegas wasteland. And I'm listening to Pirate Christian Radio while I kill zombies. And, uh, and it was just so fulfilling to me. I even wrote an email at the time. and He didn't know who I was. I didn't exist video-wise at all at the time. I wrote an email to him saying that's what I was doing. And he read it on the show. And I felt so grateful uh, that he read about me playing Fallout New Vegas while listening to Pirate Christian. And as a result of that radio station on my Pip-Boy that was him and not my Pip-Boy, I started a radio show called World of Everlasting, which was punk rock music pirated with commentary about whatever, kind of like I've been doing the dailies here, um, in between. And uh, I did that for probably seven episodes, something like that. And there are some who may yet be among us who will remember this, but maybe not. I mean, it was an early 30 people <laughs> listening to that thing uh, uh, way back. And then uh, YouTube was just kind of coming around and offhandedly, I got the idea that it'd be easy to put something on YouTube, which is a lie. <laughs> Uh, and uh, to do it well. And so I thought, well, maybe if I can only do this podcast once a week, see, I was thinking about this kind of way of doing it way back when, if I can only do this podcast once a week because of the time it takes to do, maybe I can do a quick video update every day. And then I found video editing. I didn't do a quick video update every day. I did two every week just kind of because it wasn't stuck at 30 listeners. It was exploding. Dear heavens, what happened? And now, um, you know, that uh, all that's kind of in the past. Um, but that was Chris Roseborough's show and my care for it that eventually led to World Beer Everlasting. I even remember um, also when Issues Etc. had his revolution, right? Uh, when, when they were fired, 
uh, and then started again. And Jeff Swartz and I have been on good terms, you know, for, for quite a while. Um, you know, I was asking him uh, how he was doing. We had a phone call or something. You know, there was the protest that went on. This is all during Holy Week, which is next week, by the way. Tuesday and Holy Week historically is weird. So just buckle down. There was a major cathedral that burned down last year. You might remember Tuesday and Holy Week. I'm not a mystic. I just think the devil wants to distract us. And he tends to do it on Tuesday and Holy Week, so just, just be aware. So issues, et cetera, had been fired on Tuesday and Holy Week. There was a protest at the LCMS International Center at that time. They brought out like th their version of riot gear to protect, blah, blah, blah. I'm talking to Schwartz, and he's like, well, we don't know what's going to happen, but we might need a new name, so think about it. If we need a new name, you got it. And I just said, World Beaver Lassie, and off the top of my head immediately. And they stuck with issues, et cetera. I don't blame them, but hey, look, there it was. The history, the history, it's all intertwined. I was a fan before I was a, um, a known quantity in all of this. And all these guys are my my teachers, I think, first. Um, so I'm thankful for them. And Brian, thank you for doing whatever you're doing Tuesday at 10 o'clockos. Um, yeah, see, Darth Mick, I'm with you on this one now. I got I to gotta wipe a little allergy drippage from my nose here. Uh, I wish... Darth Mick says, I wish I could listen to Pirate Christian Radio, but hearing the false doctrine that he is refuting just makes me so angry. I end up hurting myself. Yep, that was my my thing too. I was addicted like like nothing, right? Like like sugar drops. Uh, I was addicted like sugar drops for about three and a half to five months. And then I could not listen to a word because the moment he started talking about what they were going to talk about, my stomach just was like, I just can't do it anymore. I need, I need true teaching and i know he does it in the midst of it it's really valuable but i just didn't want to have to be in the apologetic de defense mode anymore i just wanted to just eat the good stuff and um and so that was that was the way i went i think i think he would tell you yeah that's right right he knows it's it's place in the ecosystem just like my stuff has a place in the ecosystem you're not supposed to be here forever necessarily unless you're in the movement <laughs> right uh but but uh there's a place for that and so you know he he knows his place is to dumpster dive like he says uh, and to get you to see the poop in the pie pan to make the metaphor for the day complete. Maybe that should be the, uh, the, the title for today, poop in the pie pan. I'm going to write it down. Um, to make the poop in the pie pan evident, right? So if you're having trouble discerning what's wrong with evangelicalism, just listen to Fighting for the Faith for like two weeks. <laughs> You're like, I didn't even know this stuff was out there. Yeah, you didn't, did you? <laughs> but we did. Uh, and that's why we're worried about all the silly stuff. WeTV reminiscing. Carmel says, my husband introduced me to WeTV a couple years ago. First episode I remember was Jesus is greater than, I think it was Jesus equals, wasn't it? Jesus equals religion. It was very enlightening. Um, there might've been a greater than two. I did two. And the bigger one was Jesus equals uh, because, yeah, because the other one was like Jesus hates religion, right? Uh, and all this. So, oh, Ryan. Uh, bless your heart. WeTV still is your favorite YouTube addiction. It's really good to hear of its Genesis story. Well, I'm glad you're going back to it and getting use out of it because it's not what this is, right? I'd hope you eventually this is your YouTube addiction at some point. Uh, I haven't said that for a while. I've, I wanted to keep, I want to keep the distance there. Hey, internet, I kept, um, but uh, uh, try to keep the distance from the nonprofit, which does not exist. And I have no uh, authority to speak in its name. I can reminisce about its history, right? But I can't speak in its name or anything. I don't want to. I don't, I don't want to even open that can of worms. Uh, so uh, Darth Mick again says, uh, when I was listening to Roseboro more, I stopped listening to his bad sermon stuff. It was too infuriating. Yeah, let's do his good sermons instead. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, so vivid image. I don't remember which one I gave you, but there there was a vivid image or three here a moment ago, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, do, 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 do. Just looking back at the morning here and what you said, I know we'll catch a lot of it next week. 
I am more or less through what I have prepared for you on this good Friday. I can, I can tell you that tomorrow the show is going to be sermon-esque. Uh, these are not true sermons. I'm not writing a sermon. I never do. Uh, but I'm not I'm not preaching in the pulpit. And so I'm the flavor of it is going to be a lot more like a show. Uh, just kind of I'm, I'm going to own the media for what it is. Uh, there are, of course, plenty of good sermons out there that you can find online right now. Village Lutheran Ledoux is the one I continue to recommend just as an overall worship streaming experience, if that's what you need and what you're looking for. Uh, but tomorrow, sometime in the afternoon, uh, probably right after I get home, before I let myself take a nap, because otherwise I'm never going to do it, uh, I, will, I will get on the horn and we will look on uh, some more Old Testament lectionary series, and we're... Uh, it's been confusing because of all the confusion and being in both Judges and Samuel for a couple of weeks here. But we're jumping really into Samuel now with Saul, Saul's anointing, his story, his fall, everything leading toward we're going to get David for Easter Sunday. Yeah, so um, David and Goliath for Easter Sunday. So that's tomorrow. Uh, we'll do some Saul, King Saul, his uh, his epic tragedy, really, is what his story is there. So. That's coming. Uh, Mad Monday's newsletter, uh, again, sign up. I know it's already uh, getting close to printing and running. I have not written my piece yet because I want to know how tomorrow morning goes before I tell you what my plans are for Easter. I've got a conversation going on with uh, with elders and whatnot as well. Uh, I mean, it's we're not going to do anything radical. But we don't have to here. Uh, so uh, we're, we're grateful for that at least. But um, so, but Mad Mondays, if you want to hear more of my reflections on a paste and a measured and a focused uh, way of assessing things. That's what you're going to get at that lead article, plus all the clicks and links you could possibly, possibly, possibly want to suit every desire. First thing in your email, email inbox, Mad Mondays. Go to redfist.com and sign up for the newsletter. Let's see. Do we have anything else that we need to throw in before the day? Thank you, all of you who are super chatting today. Thank you, those of you who support me on Patreon. Uh, for the month of March, it was a net positive, even though I'd say that there was a turnover, a loss of probably eight to 10 patrons, um, which, you know, I never really know. I trust you all to just do whatever you think is necessary. And I try not to worry about it too much. If you want to give, you give. If you don't want to give, you don't give. Um, but it's nice when it moves up and not down. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and usually it has moved up and not down. And, and we moved up to the tune of $3.25 per podcast this month. Uh, and that was a balance of a bunch of coming ins and a bunch of going outs. So thank you, those of you who are in. Uh, that's the subscription, which again is about a fifth of my income here, right? And keeps everything going, keeps the function going. I got some new tools I want to purchase, but I got to wait uh, until I got the real funds to do it. And, uh, you know, I know everyone right now is going to be hurting, right? This is something else too. Like right now, our economic situation is just going to get completely thrown for a loop over the next six months. And so you don't want to step into Patreon. I get it. You don't want, you, you can't stay in it. I get it, right? Do what you got to do. Um, but if you can support me, it does keep all this going. It keeps me going. Um, lets me continue to be here doing what I'm doing for you. Yeah. Five bucks a month, buck 25 a podcast goes a very long way. I feel like we could do something more, something more. One last thing. Let's see. I'm looking at you. You got a lot of don't wallow in the pie pans. Oh, oh, it's not going to work without having the right picture up here, right? Don't wallow. You guys like the poo. Um, don't wallow, don't wallow in the pie pan, says John the Secretary. And poo in a pie pan. 
uh, and all these things. Muck in a pie pan is more clickable. YouTube episode. I know. Is I wonder if Poo will get you like, like dinged. I already still don't get my um, like online money making, whatever. Like doesn't show up until it's up for like a day, no matter what I do. I, like I'm on like I'm like on a watch list or something, and then they have to. I don't know. It's really weird. Uh, so that like everybody watches right away, which is the bulk of the watches of anything, doesn't count. Thanks, YouTube. Appreciate it. You, you're doing an okay thing. Muck in a pie pan, says Mom Monster, uh, with the Zelda there for us, as always. Uh, ba -ba -ba -ba. And I think, I think, I think, I think, I think we'll leave the rest of it right there. Um, ah. I know what I'll end with. Here we go. So uh, one of you who may or may not be watching this late in the show uh, is a little lady named Nancy who is a member of my church. She she found YouTube through all of this stuff, and she started watching. She's discovering YouTube. And uh, she wrote, wrote, um, wrote me a, a good email with a lot of questions. I'm not going to take all of them here, but I want to share a little bit uh, with it here, with you here today. Um, so glad I've learned how to get around YouTube. I can see you every day now. Uh, I have been listening to you and have found a few other places where you are. Uh, you are quite interesting. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, I love how you talk about the Bible stories. You seem to know how to bring them to life. Well, that's that's the goal is to tell them like the truth because they are. And I, I think that's the main thing is you got to believe them and, and tell them like they're true. <laughs> and the more you can do that emotionally, the better off you're going to be. You know, the words that come out of your mouth have to be what you mean them to be and not just uh, a parrot. Yeah. Uh, a parrot. A good storyteller knows how to craft his phrases and even his pauses. Oh, I see what I did there. Uh, so, um, I watched two movies tonight. I'm wondering if you would ever watch them. One was The Days of Noah Have Come, and the other was Unlocking Ancient Secrets of the Bible. Um, I have not watched them. I do not know about them. Uh, I do know that anything that you would find on Netflix or Amazon Prime or cable TV... I'd say you have a 99.999, almost forever percent chance that it's garbage. And it may not all be garbage. There, there's probably some good little pieces in there, but that the whole thrust of the main thing is a big fat lie because the real thing doesn't make money. And so they have to sensationalize it to get it up in the levels where you're going to kind of accidentally find it in the white noise of American propaganda selling. Uh, and so um, I don't know about them, but I can tell you that I probably really wouldn't like the days of Noah because it's probably about a bad reading of the book of Revelation and thinking the end times is something it's not. That's just a guess. I've been doing this a while. I can kind of read the colors usually. Unlocking ancient secrets of the Bible sounds like a liberal agenda where they tell you things didn't really happen like the Bible says and what the real history of it is. Uh, maybe it wasn't that. Maybe it was a really faithful one where they're looking at ancient archaeology. That's great. Those do exist. And if you can find one where they're faithfully showing how the ancient archaeology kind of fits the Bible, um, you know, that's, uh, that's something worth your time. For sure. You had one other thing I thought I would give you an answer to. I have not heard Josh Grogan sing. I don't know who he is. Um, and I'm glad. Okay, she says, I'll be back at church when it's over. Um, I think the Lord is trying to get us to come back to him in prayer and asking for forgiveness so he will bless our land again. Way too many people have turned from him. Also, some churches saying it is okay uh, to do other things. She goes into homosexuality, which is true, which is wrong. But they say times have changed, but God does not change his word yeah, on anything, most especially your baptism into him, the certainty that you cannot die, that you are risen in Christ entirely. And that reminds me of something I'm going to do here before the end as well. I really want to share another email 
I wasn't quite sure what to do with this one when I got it. It was from another member, and uh, he wanted everyone to, to hear it as they could in the congregation. We don't really have a tool. Excuse me. We don't really have a tool for doing that, but this is the closest I'm going to be able to get. So he says this. He says, Pastor and family, I hope all is well with you. We thank and praise God every day for you and for your well-being. And I would like everyone who's a member at St. Paul Lutheran Church to know this, that we are a Christian church and a, a household that places the living body of Jesus Christ in the sacrament of the Eucharist through word and sacrament at the center of who we are. And we trust in baptism. We know this truth for an unending resurrection. And so we continue to support and pray for our pastors and all the members of our St. Paul family uh, and for all the members of the church on earth, truly, uh, that we would believe and trust us to be so in Jesus' name. Amen, he says. Um, a nice thing from a, a good man here named Darwin. So thank you, Darwin, for sharing that with me this week as well. It is now out there bigger than just uh, for, for uh, local members. Uh, it's for all of YouTube in the world now. So, right, right, right. I think, I think, I think. Uh, you're pointing in the comments at something. Paperwave intensifies. Remember the Euro. Say it. Don't spray it. All potential titles. I still like poop in the pie pan, but I don't know if I can get it past YouTube. We'll see what it comes up with. You guys have a great Saturday afternoon. Day before the Lord's Day. Uh, right. Share, pray, subscribe, hit the bell. Remember to like. I forget to say those things all the time. That's because I'm too busy trying not to wallow in the muck, and I want to get on with this. So you do it too. Rock on.